For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Friday, so it's a free food Friday again today. Curses of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So text who you are and where you are, lads, to 86 We'll start the shout-outs at about a quarter to ten this morning. And uh, some bunch of workers and colleagues, 15 to 20 of you, will be fed today, courtesy of ourselves and roosterspiripiri.com. So I'll tell you more about that across the uh, morning. Um, incidentally, just a, a lot of stuff happening in the papers, and I just want to mention um, and give a big shout-out to a lot of people that I met last night and overnight because I had to go to the A&D last night, the ED department, as they call it, and these days at the CUH zone in it around about 8 o'clock. It's just a couple of complications with the broken arm. No big deal. But anyway, I went in at 8 o'clock last night uh, and I was there until 6 o'clock this morning. Um, there were many, many people in the A&D last night. But says you, when aren't there many, many people in the A&D? But it was, it was my first time really. I brought people in once or twice in through the A&D, but I'd never actually been in there myself as a, as a customer, as the fellow says. So I was last night and uh, many, many people, all ages, uh, many, many small babies there and a lot of elderly people and elderly couples as well. And that's particularly sad to see when you see small little babies crying, not knowing what's wrong with them and crying in, in their mammy's or their daddy's arms. So that's, that's upsetting for the babies and uh, the parents, but I found it upsetting as well. And then you, you obviously you've got lots of cubicles and lots of corridors and you've got lots of chairs and you have long, long, long waits for people. But um, I have to say, uh, the, the staff were, were incredible. They were very, very kind. And there were some lovely examples because when you're in there for 10 hours, you, you tend to hear conversations that are going on around you, even though you're in your own little cubicles with your own chair and what have you. Uh, but there were some lovely, lovely conversations with, with staff members, nurses or, or doctors or people involved in hygiene and cleansing or people going around checking if people want a cups of tea and things like that. But some of them were lovely, particularly the uh, attention that mothers and babies got or dad, dads and tiny little babies got. Uh, the staff were so kind and so sincere. I over, overheard a really lovely conversation between uh, a nurse and a doctor with an elderly couple. It would be a typical scenario. We'd have a husband and wife quite old, quite elderly. One is ill and the other attends with the couple. You know, they go as a couple together. Uh, and they were just so patient with them and so kind and asking all the right questions and trying to endeavour to help as best they could. I mean, it, it, would, it, like, it, it would inspire so many people, um, really, if, if you went in it, just to see, uh, not suggesting that you should need to go in there. But if you see the staff at work in there, because they are brilliant, they're kind, they're efficient, they're professional. Um, and they never stop. And, and for their entire shift, they never stop. Um, I can't think of many jobs, actually, in the world where you can stop. You cannot stop just to take a single breath. Um, so they're a credit to their profession in spite of the circumstances and the busyness of the A&D. Um, really and truly, um, Gandhi said once that you can judge a country by how it treats its most vulnerable. And uh, from what I saw last night, notwithstanding the fabulous, fabulous staff, what I saw last night really is the shame of Ireland, our, our health system, the way it is now uh, and the way people are put through, um, you know, intolerable weights, really. Absolutely. A system that is clearly broken. It's not not it's not damaged. It's, it's actually broken. And in spite of that, the staff continue to do the best job they can. Um, I'll, I'll come to the papers in a few minutes time, but I want to use this time wisely if I can, because Frank Graney, the courts correspondent with News Talk, will be going back into court again this morning for the uh, Ashling uh, Murphy murder trial. Yesterday was a very interesting day because 
Yusuf Pushka, who has denied any involvement in the death of Ashley Murphy, was actually uh, took the stand and it was uh, made for very interesting reading this morning and I would imagine for Frank, very interesting listening as well. Frank, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you for thank you for taking the call. So uh, yesterday, a big day. Not notwithstanding, every day is an is an important day. But can can you can you just just for a change? Can you describe the court and the scene yesterday? Because you would have a Yosef, Yosef Pushka on the stand answering questions from his defence team. Um, like how how was he? How did he look? Were there family members of his there? Were, would have been members of Ashling Murphy's family in court yesterday. Yeah, a very a very busy day. Yesterday was the twelfth day of of the trial, and just like every other day of this trial since it uh, began uh, last month, um, it was a packed courtroom. Um, an overflow courtroom has been opened up to facilitate um, members of the public who want to come in. The public gallery was filled. Press bench, as you can imagine, was quite busy too. Um, Ashley Murphy's family was there, just like they have been uh, every other day of this trial. So too were Yosef Pushka's family sitting at the back of of the courtroom. Uh, a lot of members. Members from the uh, investigation team were there too. They've um, lots of them have giving have given evidence throughout uh, the trial. Obviously, a lot of lawyers too. And um, the prosecuting barrister, Ms. Anne Marie Lawler, she uh, closed her case on behalf of the prosecution at about half past three. And as as you say, then um, Mr. Pushka's barrister uh, told the jury that they were going into evidence, and Mr. Pushka was called as his first witness. Mr. Pushka is from Slovakia. He has been living in Ireland for the last ten years or so. Um, about eight years of that spent in uh, Mokla in uh, County Offaly um, and he has had an interpreter sitting in the dock next to him throughout the trial um, translating all of the evidence that has been heard so far but another interpreter, a court interpreter uh, was sworn in yesterday uh, to um, I suppose uh, uh, translate his evidence for uh, the jurors and the questions that the barristers are asking him are being translated to him through this uh, second uh, court interpreter so she was sworn in and he spent about a half an hour giving evidence yesterday before the court rose for the day and he is likely to resume giving his evidence when um, it picks up in a little over an hour's time. And what did that evidence feature? I mean how did his defence counsel begin? Well, he began, Michael Bowman began by asking him um, a little bit about his background. Again, we heard he's from Slovakia. He is 33 years of age, came to Ireland in 2013. And at the time that he is alleged to have murdered uh, Ashley Murphy back in January of last year, we heard that he was living in Mukla, uh, just outside Tullamore with his wife and his kids. And he was asked then to explain his recollection of events the day that Ashley was murdered. And through that interpreter that was sworn in yesterday, he went on to tell the jury how he left his home uh, on his push bike at about half past 11 that morning. He outlined how he cycled into Tullamore Town. He was asked what he was doing in the town. He said that he was trying to find his brother who had gone to the dentist with his wife that day. He confirmed that he had seen the CCTV footage that has already been shown to the jury earlier in this trial. Uh, He was shown a photograph of a bike and he confirmed that that was a bike that he was cycling uh, that day. He was asked if he remembered meeting a lady out walking her dog uh, that afternoon. He said that he did. The jury has already heard from this woman, um, a witness called Anne-Marie Kelly, who gave evidence earlier in the trial. And Mr. Bowman uh, said that um, it was of her view uh, that he thought or that she thought he was following her that day. And in response to that, he said, not at all. Uh, That was not my intention at all. It was put to him by his barrister that the CCTV shows him cycling behind her, uh, to which Mr. Pushka replied, this is true. 
but there was no bad intention whatsoever. I was uh, riding the same way. I had no intention to follow anyone at all. And that's the point near where the course then uh, broke up for the day. And that's the point that Mr. Bowman is likely to pick up on um, when the court resumes at about half past is, is that normal? Because there wasn't much said, really. When, when the clock hits a particular hour, like is it like four o'clock, everything has to stop, is it? Well, it varies day to day. Um, for the most part, the trial has been sitting from 11 o'clock until lunchtime and then breaks for an hour and sits from 2 o'clock until 4 o'clock. Sometimes it finishes a little bit earlier. Sometimes it goes on a little, little, little bit later. Sometimes, as is the case today, it starts a little bit earlier, so it's starting at half past 10. But, I mean, there's a lot of evidence heard throughout the day. It might only be four or five hours, but that's a lot of evidence for uh, a, a jury to digest. It, it does vary day to day, but in general, they try to stick to the four, four and a half hours of evidence each day. Okay, there was some other um, evidence that I heard and read in the, the papers this morning. Uh, did it feature in court yesterday a memo of the Garda interview with Josef Pushka um, where they were asking, was that read out in court yesterday when he was asked about the presence of DNA under Ashling's fingernails and things like that? Yeah, he was. That, that was the, the final tranche of evidence that the prosecution presented to the juror, jurors was in relation to the five interviews that were conducted at Tullamore Garda Station following his arrest on the 18th of, of January last year. Um, in his first interview, again, he was asked a lot of questions about his background, where he came from, his family, uh, hobbies, things like that. And in the second interview then, he was asked if he knew anything about the murder. Uh, he said that he didn't. He was asked if he knew where uh, she was murdered. He said that he didn't. Uh, he was then shown a photograph by uh, the detectives of Ashley Murphy. He was told that she was a 23-year-old primary school teacher with her whole life ahead of her when she went out for a walk and was found murdered that day. And he said that he didn't see her, uh, didn't know her. And this interview we heard took place on the day of Ashley Murphy's funeral. And when that was put to Mr. Pushka, um, he replied, I don't know anything. Um, he was told by the Gardaí this was the chance to tell them. Again, he said he didn't know anything. He said he never saw her uh, first on this picture. That was what he said to the detectives. He was shown that photograph again, actually, in his third interview, that photograph of Ashley Murphy. And he was asked if he recognised her. And again, he said that he didn't. Um, he was told, this is Ashley Murphy. He replied, I don't recognise her. I never seen her before, he said, that he'd never had any contact with her. He was also shown CCTV footage of Ashley walking towards the canal. This was just before three o'clock uh, on the day that she was killed. The prosecution believes uh, that she was killed about a half an hour after that footage captured her walking towards the canal. And when he was shown that, he again told the detectives he didn't recognise it from the clip. In his fourth interview, um, he said that he didn't remember meeting Gardy from Crumlin and Blanchestown while he was being treated for apparent stab wounds at St. James's Hospital in Dublin. He said he didn't remember much about that day because he was after having surgery and had been given many tablets. And in his fifth and final interview then, before he was charged with her murder, he was asked to account for a bike, uh, a bike that was found at the crime scene uh, along the canal with his DNA on the handlebars, his fingerprint was found on the under underside of the saddle. And he said, I'm not giving an explanation to this. Um, he was also asked, and you mentioned it a moment ago, he was asked to account for how his DNA was found under Ashley's fingernails. And he said, I will not comment on that. He was asked to account for marks and scratches on his hands and forehead. Um, these were seen by a guard at the hospital the day after Ashley was killed. Again, uh, he didn't comment on that. And the same reply, I will not comment on that, his exact words, was given when he was asked to account for his presence at the location uh, in or about the time that Ashling uh, was stabbed to death. And finally, he was asked if he wanted to say anything else. And again, he told the detectives, I don't want to comment on that. And before, I should say that 
before he was given the opportunity to account for all of those things. He was warned that his failure or refusal to do so could be used as inference evidence to corroborate other pieces of evidence at trial. And he was asked if he understood that. It was explained to him on a number of occasions. He was given the opportunity to consult with his solicitor and he told the detectives that he did understand that. Yeah, was there one interview where he was asked if he remembered being interviewed by the guards in hospital uh, where there was some kind of an admission at the time? Did he respond to that? He said again, he said he didn't remember much about that day because he was after having surgery. He did have an operation on his um, abdominal area on the evening of the 13th of January last year. And he said that when 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 that question was put to him, he said that he'd been given many tablets afterwards. So he didn't remember much about it. Okay, so Josef Pushka is expected to take the stand again this morning. That's right, yeah. They, uh, Mr Bowman is likely to pick pick up where they left off uh, yesterday. Again, he just spent half an hour in the box yesterday. He is likely to um, um, to step back into the box when it resumes a little over an hour's time. He's under no time limit um, like any other witness. Um, you know, he's not under any pressure when it comes to time. And once Michael Bowman has finished taking him through his uh, evidence, um, the prosecuting barrister will then be given an opportunity, if, if she so wishes. Uh, she doesn't have to, obviously, but if she wishes to cross-examine him at once Mr Bowman has finished asking questions then that will take place at that point. Thanks Frank as always I'll let you get on, appreciate it as always Frank Graney, course correspondent uh, with News Talk. text 0868 lads, our lines are open as always pick up the phone on 0818 back after the break Talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818 Cork's Red FM Okay so we're all absolutely clued into the weather on a daily basis aren't we more than ever and I see the star this morning saying that the highest October rainfall on record was recorded where? In Cork. And we know of that and the consequences for businesses and homes, particularly those that were destroyed by Babette. Um, It's uh, a stat actually that will jump off the page as the nearly 56 millimetres of rain that was recorded at Cork Airport on the 18th of October alone. You'd kind of think that it was for the entire month, wouldn't you? That was the month's wettest day and the wettest day since 1995. So we had Cork record levels broken um, and uh, you go back to 1995 for the last one and before that 1974. There is great news though in the county of Cork and that is that the McCroom bypass will be fully open on Monday. It's pretty much almost there now. There's only a tiny little section of it due to open and that will open and be free for traffic uh, on Monday which is great news because it is a very impressive route of roads isn't it? There are other court uh, appearances actually and other court cases of course going on at the moment, some here and some overseas. The uh, court case into uh, the what will be a sentencing because they have pled to a manslaughter charge and that is Molly Martin's uh, and her, her father um, with regards to the slaying of her husband Jason Corbett. There's more evidence yesterday from the courts that makes the front and the inside pages like the star says this morning Jason forced me to have sex says Molly Martins um, and she, used to, he, she claims that he used to put his hand over her mouth and her nose until she passed out um, this, this, these, aren't, these aren't things that were these aren't claims that are being made in court these are being claims that were being made in interviews soon after the death of uh, Jason uh, Corbett uh, like for instance the star this morning uh, says that they also heard evidence by the social worker who conducted the interview with Molly um, her mother Sharon uh, and Jason's two children, Jack and Sarah. And we spoke about that yesterday on the air when Jack and Sarah were 10 and 8 years old. And the social worker was quoted in the papers this morning as saying uh, that both the kids described a pattern of abuse 
at Molly that Molly was the subject of a pattern of abuse. Um, do you remember the, the accusation that was being made by the defence that um, um, Mr Corbett's first wife didn't die accidentally? It's an astonishing claim to make, very upsetting uh, for family members of Jason Corbett, obviously. Well, part of the evidence that the Irish Times picks up on this morning is the uh, chief me- or the former chief medical examiner in Kentucky uh, who said that it was possible that Margaret Corbett's death in 2006 of, of, of Jason Corbett's first wife, it was possible that it was a homicide. Um, the doctor, he said, in Ireland who carried out the autopsy into Margaret Corbett was completely wrong. So said, in evidence, uh, for the defence, incidentally, the chief medical examiner in Kentucky, the former one, saying that it was possible that Margaret Corbett, Jason's first wife, um, was actually a homicide case. And then there's an extraordinary uh, case in Australia. It's the story of Erin Patterson, who is denying uh, accusations that she poisoned her husband's relatives uh, after she hosted a lunch for them and cooked beef wellington um, the problem with the beef wellington is, though, that she um, apparently in it, there were things called death cap mushrooms, which she says she knows nothing about. She says that she bought the mushrooms, button mush- mushrooms in a supermarket, and she bought other dried mushrooms from an Asian grocery in Melbourne, but she can't remember where. Um, but anyway, the elderly couple, Gail Patterson and Don Patterson, her husband's parents, age 70, both died after severe gastrointestinal upset hours after uh, dining at their daughter-in-law's home. Um, and the, one of the sisters, Heather Wilkinson, also died. In fact, it was also said that Aaron Patterson's husband, Ian, um, who did survive, but only because he got a liver transplant after eating the beef wellington. And it was also said that, that um, she's not only been charged with all of that, but she's also charged with attempting to murder her husband, um, who became ill after eating three different meals in 2021 and last year. Now, they're breaking up, and they were breaking up before all of this. They were they were getting divorced. Uh, she denies all of this, of course, and um, obviously she's entitled to her defence. Well, I, I, I was struggling to find out whether or not, and I found it eventually, whether or not she herself ate the beef wellington, and apparently she did. She said she also, or she claims she ate it. She said she ate the meal and later suffered chronic pains and diarrhoea. But she survived and three others didn't. It's a bizarre story. It's got Australia absolutely 100% gripped, I can tell you. Um, and also, the, talking from, from papers to, or from court cases to tribunals, the Echo this morning has a, a tribunal from the Workplace Relations Commission because they found that Ungarda Shikona, the body of Ungarda Shikona, discriminated against a very highly respected and valued member. And I read as much as I could into this Workplace Commission report this morning and indeed last night. I had a lot of time on my hands in the early hours of the morning and I was reading up on it a lot. Um, And I I believe that um, Sergeant David Hockney was treated appallingly by his employers on Garda Shikona, a highly skilled professional. It would appear that um, he suffered a disability. How did he suffer the disability? Well, it was because he was the victim of a criminal assault in December of 2014. He lost 14, or sorry, he lost 70% of his vision in his left eye. And really, on Garda Shikona should have facilitated that or the term that they use is that they should have given him reasonable accommodation for his disability in the workplace. Uh, And he was alleging that they didn't. 
And on the basis of going to the Workplace Relations Commission, Angarda Shikonan has been ordered to pay €65,000 compensation to the Cork-based sergeant for discriminating against him on the grounds of disability. And I think anybody that reads the actual tribunal report itself would say, absolutely, he deserves that, and probably an awful lot more. Such a highly skilled professional who wasn't really given the accommodations he should have been to continue with the work that he was capable of doing. And 53 years after the split, the Beatles finally, well... It's not as if they came back together in the last few weeks to record the new single, but you know the backstory to it. It's old audio that Lennon had, which Yoko Ono gave to the other three members, and they did work on it over the years, and it was released yesterday. I'll give it a spin a little later on and get your thoughts and views on it, and the views of Dave Fanning also. Um, and I'm also going to be asking the question, because I'm going to finish this morning's programme. We do a lot of live music in the studio, sure we do, but I'd also like to play... Cork's favourite Beatles song. So the new single is called Now and Then, and that's fine, and we'll play it. Not a bother there. But I'd also like to know what your favourite Beatles song is. Text 0868104106 on that one. And whatever song is voted the most, we'll give it a spin just before midday today. Heineken has axed its, um, its stout island's edge because nobody was drinking it, apparently. They were trying to take on... Guinness, Murphy's and Beamish Beamish I should say but that would be a very hard thing to do and they were trying to go after the young market the 18 to 35 group and try and lure them away from Guinness it just didn't work so Ireland's Edge goes over the cliff I suppose if you like and the papers also tell us this morning um, that M&S had to apologise over a Christmas ad um, because they ended up burning um, Christmas paper hats which were the colour of the Palestinian flag and it absolutely blew up or it blazed up if you like on social media when people saw it. the actual clip never made uh, the um, Marks and Spencer's ad but they did put the outtake of the paper hat in those colours which would be um, the colours of the Palestinian flag which would be a green uh, kind of a whitey silver and, uh, and a red they put it up on social media and they got absolutely hammered for it so much so that they had to apologise the whole idea of, was that um, they were playfully showing that some people don't enjoy wearing paper Christmas hats and they showed the Christmas hats burning in the fire but unfortunately it was the colours of the Palestinian flag and very finally then for those of you perhaps <laughs> I include myself in this who missed a night's sleep last night um, it actually can be a very powerful antidepressant missing a night's sleep. Latest research says that people will feel happier and giddier. Maybe lightheaded is what you are. It's not really happier or giddier. But they found that acute sleep loss led to an increase in the release of the feel-good hormone dopamine. Try it yourself sometime. A sleepless night. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Two quick shout-outs and then more phone calls because if I do it, I'll miss the opportunity. Um, and a big favour from St. Angela's College on Patrick's Hill. They emailed me during the week. They're trying to track down past pupils from the Leaving Certificate class of 1983. Was that you? Well, 83 is a significant year because they're having the 40th reunion of the 1983 class at St. Angela's on Saturday, November 18th and anyone who knows women who finished college, or sorry, finished in St. Patrick's uh, College St. Angela's College on Patrick's Hill, I should say around that time, please get in touch with them so it's the class of 83 lads you can get in touch with ashlingmock um, at gmail.com that's ashling M-O-C 
at gmail.com. Happy to pass that on. Have a great night. And a big shout out as well, finally, for the annual fundraiser on all day today for Marymount. It's happening at O'Neill's Bar in Middleton. And in light of the recent floods in Middleton, the funds, anything raised today, will be split between uh, two very important causes, Marymount and the flood relief. They said they're going to have lots going on, face painting and treats for the kids, music and raffles and lots more fun. All are welcome and thank you to Anne-Marie for letting me know. So that is a big day today. The annual fundraiser on all day for Marymount and indeed the floods of Middleton at O'Neill's Bar. Text 086-8104-106. Huge response, really and truly a huge response uh, to everything we've been doing regarding signs from the grave or from the... Um, the afterlife or from heaven if you like many people would believe our loved ones are gone to heaven and a big response to it before the week that was in it we were talking about all things regarding Halloween and the season and the period of Samhain Um, and I want to get more texts on the air as well on these because I still have reams of them to do but notwithstanding phone calls also and I want to chat with Leona Birmingham it's been a while since we chatted together Leona good morning Good morning, how are you? I'm good, and of course we all know uh, the backstory to why I was talking to you in the past. It was the loss of your beautiful son, Lee, after birth and the issues regarding organ retention and incineration at the COH. How have you been? Yeah, we have been good. Um, I suppose it's still a bit ongoing. Um, We have um, appealed um, an FOI, a Freedom of Information, and um, we put a complaint in with the commissioner. Um, So, yeah. It's just a bit ongoing in the background still, eh? and we're hoping to get the law passed still, so hopefully. And you're front and centre and all of that, of course, and why wouldn't you be? What happened was absolutely tragic and so wrong. Do you, do you, get, do you get messages, I wonder, though? Because that's the conversation we were having over the last couple of days. Yeah, that, I loved hearing all the stories. Um, yeah, we had a, few, uh, a good few uh, messages, really, um, and um, I suppose uh, they just bring us so much comfort um, getting little signs from him um, so I suppose the main one um, was um, a few months after he passed away it was our first Christmas without him um, so we got a little picture and put it in a frame and hung it on our Christmas tree um, just to be able to remember him and have him part of our Christmas and um, it was my mum was away so it was our, our, my first time having to shower with uh, his twin brother Lewis and being on my own so um, I placed him in the Moses basket and put him in the kitchen by the Christmas tree while I had my fast shower yeah, um, yeah. and I got out of the shower and I heard I thought it was like the Christmas tree lights twinkling um, so I went to have a look and there was a butterfly um, on Lee's picture on a Christmas tree and that I have that December. photograph in front of me here yeah, that's it. I think if I didn't take a picture, I probably wouldn't have believed myself. You must, yeah, and like, I suppose you scrambled to get the camera phone as fast as you yeah. could. How long did the, like, I can see it. It's a little bauble on the tree, a beautiful one, sparkly, and in the middle of it, it's a lovely little photograph of baby Lee and a butterfly perched right next to his face. Yeah, um, I couldn't believe it. I think I was in shock. I spent probably a few minutes standing there, um, just all the emotions hit. Um, and then I said, I have to grab my phone because no one's going to believe this. I was on my own with uh, Lewis. So yeah, I ran to grab my phone and he just stayed there um, for what felt like forever. Um, we actually, I actually took the decoration off the tree and opened the window and um, left him fly off. <laughs> he didn't want to leave. I mean, the yeah. stories this week are incredible. They, it can't be coincidental. An entire Christmas tree full of different baubles of all mm-hmm. sorts of shapes and colours and a butterfly lands on the one with the little picture of Lee. I mean, think about that. You must have been very emotional. 
Yeah, and you know, I think uh, I always get them signs when uh, when I feel like I need them the most. Um, like come up to the Christmas, it was de- the middle of December, and I mean, we were so happy we had Lewis for our first Christmas, but I suppose a part of us was missing, so I took that as a sign that he, he was with us and he is always with us. So yeah, I love getting little signs like that. Congratulations on the arrival of beautiful little Cassie. Thank you. And on Lee's anniversary... What happened? Yeah, so it was um, Lee's anniversary and um, Cassie was in her Moses basket um, and we used um, Lee's little blanket in the Moses basket um, and again I was just tidying the house and she woke up and she was kind of gooing and gaying in her Moses basket and, and I went over to get her and there was a little butterfly on Lee's blanket on it's her Moses same. basket. It's the same yeah. species, the butterfly with the same yeah. colours and same pa- might be the same yeah. one. Yeah, and on Lewis's birthday this year, we had a little tea party and just a few of his friends over in the house and they were all playing in the kitchen and in flew a little butterfly and landed straight on his number four balloon. Um, And that's it. I think when people, when I say it, people be like, oh yeah, okay. But when other people are there to witness it, I love the fact that they're like, oh my God, that's just such a coincidence. Did you share those pictures? They're mind-blowing. Have people seen Uh, them? Yeah, well, my friends and family, I would have shared uh, definitely with um, all these pictures because sometimes you'll be second guessing yourself or saying, God, do people think I'm going to be crazy here? But if you, um, but listening to all of the other stories this week from lots of other yeah. people, you know you're not crazy. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And look, if it just brings us comfort, um, I mean, that that's more than enough the comfort we get out of it. We had some, and I think Lewis, Lewis is first day of school we were walking down to school um, he was back in September and we were walking down with Cassie in the buggy and just out and over he said oh ma'am look there's my brother Lee flying around us <laughs> yeah I love it he knows I'm going to school yeah so even the child associates butterflies just with his brother there's fierce comfort in that Leona I'd say there must be yeah, there there definitely is. Um, and on my birthday, when they passed away, my brother and my sister brought me um, a chain. It's a double disc chain with L, two L's on it for Lewis and Lee and their date of birth. And two years ago in lockdown, one of the discs fell off um, and we lost it. Um, I, we searched everywhere for a full week. Um, we put it on social media. Uh, we searched cars, mattresses. The whole house was turned upside down. Um, and we always say, if my mum can't find it, it's lost. Um, <laughs> for a full week, it was lost. And um, one day, it was a lash and rain, and I just got up and I gave my sister Lewis, and I said, look, I'm going to head out to the grave. I just feel like I need to go out there. And I went out searching on my hands and my knees in muck, and there I found the disc at Lee's grave. <laughs> Wow, isn't that amazing? Sign after sign after sign. I hope hope you take fierce comfort in it. And I'd say say there's more signs to come by the looks of things. Yeah, hopefully, uh, because we we do, we love getting the little signs and they give us a little boost and we know that he's with us. Absolutely he is and he always will be and he'll live on through his sister and his brother, that's for sure he will. Leona, it's lovely chatting with you. Don't be a stranger, mind yourself. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Signs from beyond the grave. I often smell roses around me. My dad had a great devotion to St. Teresa, also known as the Little Flower. Also, lots of robins, butterflies, white feathers. 
I get them all. As both my parents are long gone, my brother John, my sister Joe, and her husband Victor are always, and they're always watching over all of us. Um, I spoke with a medium once, Neil, over a video call while I was in my house. She asked if I was hearing any strange noises in the house. And I'd been hearing them coming from the wardrobe as it happens. My daughter reckoned that it was my dad telling us from beyond the grave that I needed new wardrobes. So I went out and bought some. My daughter was assembling them and a butterfly came out. She couldn't believe it and was convinced that I had put it in there, but I hadn't in the new wardrobe. That room hadn't been used for a long, long time and I never go in there. It was a lovely sign from my dad. I also see two blood butterflies often. A white one, which I think is my neighbour as she was a lady and a more colourful one which I think was her late husband who used to love going for pints (laughs) Robins are also a lovely sign says Deirdre in Mayfield do you ever think of taking up writing for a living that's fabulous I'm a friend of Caroline's and I knew Kieran too he was loved by everyone in West Cork and was such a kind vibrant amazing person Um, well done to Caroline for going on air and chatting with you a conversation will do so much to support other people going through loss says Hillary. Yes, thank you and if anybody was listening during the week they'll remember how wonderful and uh, inspiring that conversation was. You really need to interview the English author Anthony Peake. He has books about the afterlife and other realms that actually exist. Very interesting guy. You could start by checking out his videos on YouTube. I certainly will um, and I will come back to you and let you know what I think of it. Give us a break from these signs from the afterlife, will if anyone gets comfort from it, then good on them. Others get preyed on because of them needing a sign. With cuddling bears and blankets, all associated with being comforted. Butterflies and robins are rare, so it's symbolised as being special or again a sign when people look for them. Sorry, that doesn't make much sense to me. But anyway, what if psychics pushed every idea that the bird or every fly on the wall must be a sign? It's a phenomenon now because years ago there were sightings at the end of the bed that was moving furniture on your program. Now that we have cameras absolutely everywhere, those sightings seem to disappear, don't they? Because not one, not one from the billions of cameras have ever captured a ghost or true evidence of the supernatural, says Philip in the city, who ain't a believer. Uh, My niece died on the 9th of December last year. Uh, She was only 33 years old. At the burial, there were robins jumping up and down on the grave. It was an icy cold day. Even the priest found it strange. Then one robin flew down at our feet and looked us in the eyes. It was the talking point of the funeral at the time. Ever since, myself and my family see robins and butterflies everywhere. Uh, But before she died, an injured magpie had to be taken away from my sister's back garden. Don't they say that a bird in your home is a bad omen, especially a magpie? That it can be the sign of death? Well, if it's any consolation to you, I believe that the bird has to be inside your house. Uh, not in the back garden. I lost my brother and my dad within a year of each other, 2018-2019. And on Christmas Day 2019, my mum and I came home from my aunt's house after Christmas dinner. And on the top of our Christmas tree were two butterflies. Couldn't believe it when we saw it. Such a coincidence or what, says Yana in Cove. Each butterfly, I imagine, signified your brother and your dad. My father died, Neil, when I was 15 years old. We were very close and used to go everywhere together. I grew up on a farm and helped him every hour of every day. Anyway, after he passed, everything was sold to pay the banks. But he had this bush in the garden that I have never seen, neither before nor after. 
It had a beautiful but pungent smell, if you can imagine that. He said the old people used to put sprigs of it into wardrobes and places where clothes were stored. It looked like lavender, but it certainly wasn't. It's actually called Old Man's Beard. I'm here today in a little village in North Cork working in a house and the graveyard where he is buried is out the back. Also, when he died, my aunt brought back Padre Pio rosary beads from Lourdes that smelled of roses and they went into the coffin with him along with some coins, some cash and some whiskey. Anyway, to this day, especially on late summer's evenings or a dark wintry night, if I go for a walk in the fields, I get an overwhelming smell of both roses and old man's beard, says Shane. I think I've got to Google old man's beard because I, I know I was reading something about old man's beard last weekend. It might have had something to do with Halloween or old traditions regarding Halloween. Either way, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I want to go back to the phone lines, actually, to a topic that I didn't get to yesterday, and that was some kind of carry-on up around Mount Oval. It was being suggested that somewhere between 300 and 400 youths garried up, ga- gathered up there in the Mount Oval area. And sadly... Mount Oval has been in the news before as a flashpoint, certainly once or twice during COVID. But anyway, with that in mind, Conrad, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. So I had wanted to deal with this yesterday because it was Halloween night and they echo reporting upwards of 300 young people. What do you know about it? Um, I saw a bit of it. I saw the initial crowds gathering and then I saw further follow-on videos um, coming in later into the night. Um, based on the videos, there was definitely a hundred. I can't confirm the three or four hundred, but that is also a possibility. Um, Depends what I time you saw that. It could have been more earlier or more later. Who knows? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, de- definitely around the eight o'clock, nine o'clock mark, there was a hundred of them anyway, from what I could see. Okay. What was going on? Um, well, you see, the thing about Mount Oval is, you see, it has a lot of life, it has a shop, and... You know, there's kind of the urban side, and then it has this open area um, to which they can go into the darkness, do their drinking, whatever, and then they come back into the into the light and hang around. The loitering happens. The guards come. They chase them to the back. The guards go to the back. They chase them to the front. And it's just a game of cat and mouse, as one of the one of the residents in Mount Pobo coined this. This is a game of cat and mouse. It's, it's a chase, basically, for them, a bit of a rush. Um, yeah, okay, but I, I know that in 2020 it was a lot more than, than that because there was fighting and brawling and all yeah, sorts of carry exactly. on then. Was there exactly. any of that the other night? I don't think so. Um, from what I could see, there was no report of that. There was a report of I two being arrested. Um, I think I recently heard four, but definitely two. Um, but I don't think there was any overt trouble. There four. was fireworks. Four. Yeah, I, it was one of the four? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so uh, four arrested. Um, there was reports of fireworks as well. Perhaps they got caught with the fireworks. Um, uh, the echo were quoting as well drinking, smoking, setting off fireworks, vomiting, getting sick, breaking glass, and throwing all sorts of stuff around the area. Not quite sure what. They don't specify. Listen, yeah. th- these these were 13 and 14 year olds. Um, what in the mm. name of God are they doing out drunk? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it would be. I would, I would say there was probably 14 year old. I would say lowest, maybe four. I think maybe because a few of them knocked on the door as well, doing trick or treating, whatever. And uh, 
I would definitely I would have said 15, 16 but no doubt there was a few 14 year olds there as well um, and what were they doing out drunk I suppose what most of the population is at that age um, and that's, that isn't a justification of it I can be a bit lenient towards this which isn't right um, Do you have a different approach to dealing with kids like that? Um, I, I would in general, um, both from it, you know, and, and it, when I, when I say it, it's a, a different approach, it's not in contrast to the approach that's currently there. It's not mutually exclusive. In fact, it's congruent with it. Um, I just believe you have to look at it from a short term and a long term perspective. Um, how I operate my business is child development through community initiatives. So anything that doesn't develop children or bring communities together, I, I tend not to participate in. But when there's a gang of 100 kids, you know, the guards need to get involved with something needs to be done. Um, I, I, ha- I know from when I was younger, um, I hung around in, in the same estate when I was younger and there was one, there was, you know, maybe 30, 40, fine, we all knew each other, we're all friends, there wasn't any hassle. And then the issue is, the word gets around in Cork that it's this fun place, loads of people are gathering and all these, um, all other... Um, young people from uh, surrounding a state in Cork they come up and then there's trouble because there's people outside of their home or their home turf so they're like I can't get hot for anything nobody knows me here um, and, and and then fights start happening and then violence starts but happening you, even it, be, but listen even if you have a different approach to it surely be to God mm-hmm. um, in, in every sense of the word 13 and 14 year olds let's say there was somewhere between 203 of them drinking mm-hmm. in Mount Oval um, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be drinking at all full stop mm. you know like no matter how kind of lazy fair you want to be about things um, mm. drinking smoking and vomiting and breaking things and firing glass mm. that's not being proactive or being being cool about you know dealing with teens exactly um, so with regards to that in the short term I think you can only be reactive in that uh, I, the, the, the solution that stopped it when I was younger was Loads and loads of guards came up. I mean, there, was, there was four, four, four guard cars went to the back. Four guard cars went to the front, and that was kind of the end of it for a year until it happens again, and we're going through the whole cycle, um, which is kind of where I come from. Then, so it has to be dealt with in the moment. But how can we find a solution to it? There's no way I can. Contact well, maybe the parents there. knowing that they're 13 and 14 and they're. Out in Mount Oval, langers with their pads, pals, firing glasses and throwing up. That's a good start, mm. isn't it? Parents knowing where their kids are. It is. And how do you get in contact with the parents? Um, most of the parents might say, well, I did that when I was younger. Um, so there's going to be a large majority that are going to go, oh, they're probably fine. Um, I think the amount of work you'd have to put in to hone down 100% of those parents for 100% of the kids, it's, it's not feasible. We, we've been dealing with this for, for decades. It's it's the same conversation every year, you know. Um, so the approach that I have and how I build my business, we're starting a youth centre soon, not in, in Rochester, in Little Island. Um, but it's getting the kids involved in the community. No, I mean, that is positive. I understand that and I wish you well yeah. with that. It's, it, it is the way to go. But uh, where, where's it going to go next, you asked? Well, all you need is one or two idiots then to have a knife and a fight to break out and somebody is stabbed yeah. and killed. Or as we saw up the country, yeah. a boy aged 14 fighting for his life because he was targeted for a beating at Halloween with a baseball yeah. bat that had spikes and nails in it. Uh, and he got oh. a hammering with spikes nailed into a baseball bat. 
that. That's that's where those kind of things can go. You're uh, right. I You're think. Right. Hang on You're a second. Right. I want to talk to Peter Horgan, the local rep part, Labour Party rep for the area, and he he's been quoted in in the papers as well with regards to it. Peter, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, How are you? Is it serious or much ado about nothing? Or thirteen or fourteen year olds just having a party, letting off steam, enjoying Halloween? Well, for the past two days, I've been I've been out with um, residents in the area affected and talking to businesses in Mount Oval about the impact of it. I suppose a few weeks ago, I was out in Mount Oval and com- commentary from um, from residents that you know this that these sort of gatherings hadn't happened in a while, as we know the one that happened in COVID, where there was a big shamadal in the square and they, they were commenting that look this has been very quiet and then this happened on Halloween night as I understand this there was four arrests made there was four squad cards and upwards of 200 to 300 used between the age of 14 to 17 is, is what I was told yeah. now talking to residents there was a drain pipe ripped off the side of a house I saw I've seen that it's still, it's still off the side it hasn't been repaired there was doors kicked there was houses you know, of doors front doors houses of doors front doors kicked with mud thrown with mud you can see the, the footprints on marks on it the next day you can see you know smacks on windows happening on those houses around the front and talking to residents yesterday you know there were people they were intimidated by it you know it was a large gathering of people outside their homes which isn't isn't acceptable absolutely any intimidated frightened others might have exactly. been angry others are saying we don't want this happening around where our homes were built and put good money into it rearing our children they don't want I didn't get a sense of anger from people I got a sense from people from residents in the area that they want to try and find a solution and a big thing was four years ago there was a spate of antisocial behaviour in Mount Oval there was people being attacked randomly in the middle of the of the estate, you know, there was, there was drug issues involved in that, and there was a promise of a community forum to be established. Now, that never happened. I know COVID happened in the meantime, but I do think, and speaking with residents yesterday, I think it's time to, to kickstart that idea again. And I've written to Senior Guardian in the Toka District, which is responsible for the Mount Oval area, to set that up, to try and set that up, and they await a response because Mount Oval is huge. It's a thousand plus homes, mm. and the surrounding estates even bigger. So would so, it have been 300 local kids or do you think this went up on social media and it was a, a pylon from all over? As I understand it, it was people from the local area, a mixture of Mount Oval and surrounding estates. I know previous situations had people being bussed in but, but you know, talking to people yesterday, there were people getting the bus up to it so obviously the message went out on whatever platforms. But here's how you'd stop that Peter, all you need next um, Halloween night is a squad car parked in the Mount Oval Square mall area. Potentially, but unfortunately, the Gardaí don't have resources. You know, you talk to any Gardaí, you talk to any Gardaí in Cork City at the moment, they say manpower is a massive issue. But what, what, one, one Gardaí guard car there before it beats four Gardaí cars having to turn up after it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And now what the residents were saying to me is that they were fearing the next flashpoint will be New Year's Eve, that it comes when the holidays are on. And I don't want to cast aspersions on all teenagers, you know, in, in the area at all. You know, I mean, nobody wants to do that. But um, no, but if they were kicking forum, in doors and, and smashing things yeah. and tearing down drain pipes, and I mean, a community forum could establish a situation. What sort of communications happen between bus air and the guards and the local residents committees? Because you're right, you know, one guard coming in at six o'clock and dispersing them is better than four squad cars at, at half seven, eight o'clock when it's gotten out of hand for a, commu- a community guide yeah you, but the, the whole area of 13 and 14 year olds drinking and being drunk um, is that the way society is going are we to tolerate well, that they will start drinking younger and younger there is a huge I have two children who are four and two so I'm, I'm well before that, that that side of things yet but there's a huge element of parental responsibility on Halloween night given that it was absolutely lashing rain and you know if your son or daughter is walking out the door with a bag on the back, you know, there's an onus on a parent to say, where are you going? Who are you meeting? 
what's actually happening. And some residents did say to me that they saw cars dropping off um, some of the children. That happens, yeah. The event, that happens. You know, that and that's happens. not good enough, you know. So there's no amount of guard numbers, there's no amount of community investment that will address that issue. If it's the parents aren't on board. Issue. Yeah, appreciate that. Th- thank you, gentlemen. Thank you both. There's Peter Horgan and uh, Conor McGrath. Text 0868 particularly if you are a resident of the Mount Oval area. That and lots more besides after 10. Now... Show. Red FM. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Blackpool and Douglas. So make sure you're, or if you're ordering some food at the weekend that you check out to RoostersPiriPiri.com and they'll get, get some delicious food. We'll be feeding 15 to 20 people in the workplace uh, across today uh, with the Red Patrollers delivering at lunchtime. Chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers, a selection of main events including chicken wraps, chicken pittas, beef burgers, basted in the famous Piri sauce and for sides, Piri salted fries, rice and waffle fries with the Piri mayo and the garlic mayo and all the different condiments that you may require. You build your own cheesecake. You get these massive cheesecakes with loads of available topping and you put your own topping on your own slice. So it's a big party piece as well. So here are the first shout-outs based on that. To everybody listening at Complete Upholstery Centre and Foam Services on Barrick Street, to Rockwell Engineering and the Insulation Workshop in Clawheen, especially Owen, uh, to all of the staff at the Dean Hotel, particularly the accommodation staff, getting the rooms and the penthouse ready for the weekend. The penthouse. I love it. Everybody at main reception in the CUH, morning to Trina, to EMH Technical Services, working on the Balancholic site at the moment, Shirley's Beauty and Laser Clinical Listening in Glanmire, Leisure World in Churchfield, ECI JCB in Carrick Tool, could do with a feed today. Pat McDonald Paints are the same. They'd love a big feast on Bachelors Key. Abbeville Veterinary Hospital are listening in Toker. It's amazing what they do, uh, not just in the veterinary, veterinary hospital, but also the voluntary animal rescue service they have. To everybody at HSSD and the South Infirmary Hospital, CUH Biochemistry Lab, um, up the bloody walls, if you'll pardon the pun they're saying, <laughs> the Biochemistry Lab, Urban Retreat Hair Salon on Middleton, Amy and Sarah would love to win and share it with all of the customers. They were recently hit by the Middleton floods, so can they do with the pick-me-up. The Alzheimer's Society in Besborough and Blackrock, good morning to all GRP Roofing Supplies on the Tremor Road, Boston Scientific, are also listening today and listen every day. Neil, you are the unseen member of our office staff. <laughs> I got my own chair, do I? My own little laptop in the corner. <laughs> my own mug in the kitchen. The Hair Factory in Douglas are on board this morning, as well as Doc Tech or Painters and Decorators in Blackpool. And just another few, Little Hands Child Care in Blackpool. Uh, Cooley Duff Construction, Paul and James, forgot their lunch today. <laughs> The messages today are fabulous. Foley's Plumbing and Toker, Nesbits, um, who are um, actually two or three different ones because apparently Brefney blew up the air, the air fryer this morning, making her lunch. Ah, lads, you're trying it on now. Come on, we'll come up with the best sad story and we'll give us the, fo- the food. What'll we do? Oh, we'll say that we blew up the air fryer. The pharmacy department at the Mercy Hospital um, and everybody at the pharmacy. Oh, there's two for them. We love listening to the show every day. Give us a shout out. Um, Susan, Hannah, Trish, Alison, Grace, Kat, Maeve, Holly, Eleanor and all of the gang. So a big shout out for the pharmacy department in the Mercy Hospital. So keep those... Um, Texts coming. Text 086-8104-106. Tell us who you are and where you are. We'll do the next bunch of shout-outs for Free Food Friday in about a half an hour's time. Back to the phone lines. Off to Fomoy after this. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. 
Red FM. And text 0868104106. And I'll get more texts on the air in a few minutes' time. But uh, just when we thought everything had been sorted with regards to the events involving Zoe and Graham Norton and from why you, you remember it. Just time for a very quick visit to the big red chair. Who have right. we got tonight? Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh, don't be nervous. Oh, you're, you're, oh, you're fine. You're fine. What's your name? Zoe. Zoe. And uh, where are you from, Zoe? I'm from um, Scotland, Dumfries and Galloway, but I lived in Ireland for about 20 years. It's a lovely accent. Very nice. Thank you. Whereabouts in Ireland did you live? Uh, Fermoy, County Cork. <gasps> Fermoy, home horrible, of the pencil. Horrible town. Oh. <laughs> Pencil in it, has it? It's got a bridge if people want to jump off it. (laughs) (laughs) I hated it, please. (laughs) We're looking forward to this story. (laughs) I think the cannon is loose. Before we go, uh, just time for a visit to the big red chair. But but before we do anything, I must uh, begin with an apology. Because uh, last week, uh, there was someone on the red chair, uh, and they were less than kind about the town of Fermoy in County Cork in Ireland. Well, suffice to say, the people of Fermoy, not happy. Uh, <laughs> quite upset about it. So uh, we'd like to apologise. Though, in fairness, I did defend Fermoy and said it was the home of the big pencil. But sadly, I must apologise again, because apparently the giant pencil has been removed. (laughs) On the upside, Fermoy did win Cleanest Town in Ireland 2007 and 2018. So I imagine it's still quite clean. I know. Big up, Fermoy. Big up. Who will we offend tonight? Uh, Hello. And along then, when you think everything is fine, comes local Fermoy businessman, John Paul Ryan. John Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And you, uh, if I'm quoting you correctly, said that Zoe on the Graham Norton show isn't wrong about what she said. She said, Fermoy in town has nothing for kids, no cinema, no shopping centre. You describe it as fading away as the town. Really? Well, I wouldn't go that far now, Neil. I didn't say that. Um, look, but, I suppose but, I'm going to start so, off with... But, I mean, it's attributed to you by virtue of a text or something. Are they not your words? Yeah, well, well, I'll tell you why I'm ringing now mostly, Neil, um, is the lack of development in my town. I'm born and reared in my. I love my town. I actually live where I was born and reared. Um, passionate about my town. I went to bed Wednesday night hearing of another development for Ukrainians in the town. Um, it actually woke me up during the night with, with, with anger, to be honest, of, of what's going on. Um, I'm no way anti-Ukrainian. What's happening, obviously, is beyond belief to, to, to their country. Um, but as you've heard from several people on your show, we've just taken too many Ukrainians into this country, Neil. Um, there's another property in my now that I believe has been sold, uh, the government are buying is far more Ukrainians. The only guest house that we have left in the in for my town for accommodation right. is okay. now going to be taken over and developed for Ukrainians. And again. the one you're okay, just to, we'll stay on that point for a second, if you like. The one that you were referencing, this guest, this big guest house, was that yep. closed for a long time and not being used? No, it's no, it's it's it's. I believe it's only closed four or five months now. The owner of that is entitled to sell the property. That's nothing to do with us, but from the lack of accommodation like again I'm not highlighting, highlighting Ukrainians but we have no hotel in the Fumai, in Fumai town well oh, okay. I, know, I know of two or three hotels in Fumai where have they gone? 
there's none there now. We had one hotel in Fomoy, the Grand Hotel, which is now closed and it's full of Ukrainians. We have no hotel in this town okay. to attract people. And was it closed, closed for a period of time before it reopened for refugees or did they just flip it, to it refugees? It was. It was to be opened and developed by, by local businessmen as a hotel. Um, but then this war started and that all changed again. Nothing yeah. happened. Okay. We, were all, we were all excited. They made a business decision to go instead. Yeah. Which, which takes rooms exactly. out of the local economy, takes the restaurant out of the local economy, takes the bar out of the local economy, and don't know if it's a yeah, leisure centre, exactly, but yeah, exactly, okay. Yeah. And, and is, is no. there a, is there a bad vibe in Formoy with regards to too many war well, refugees? Look, well, look, people have nothing against Ukrainians, but the other side of it, Neil, is there's no there's no accommodation, as I repeated, in the town. Like, why couldn't that guest house be bought for, for accommodation again? Um, it was guaranteed money what, all year round, so as a business proposition, you can understand. Well, that's, that, you know. that's, that's what's going on, Neil. You see, this 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 has been made a business opportunity. This Ukrainian situation. You, you heard the Healy Rays and Kerry are making a fortune out of this with property. It's a money making adventure at this stage, and nobody cares about development of towns or villages. Okay. It's take, 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 and it's hard to believe. All right, no fair point. You're, listen, you're um, making of the courage of convictions to make your point known. It's your opinion, but every single one of these Ukrainians are paid a handy amount of money by the Irish state, and one would think that they will be all spending it locally in Formoy. Well, you'd, you'd, you'd like to think so, but are they? I, do, I don't know. Um, like, I've, I've a few points to make there in town. Again, I want, this is a beautiful town, beautiful people in the town. I am so passionate about this town. That's why I've come on this morning. I'm quite nervous about coming this morning, but like other people, I'm sick and tired of talking and giving out talking in a pub, meeting people downtown and nothing being done about it. Talking, nothing, no ministers coming into the town to, to see the town and what needs to be done. We have a site, Neil, on the northern side of my town. It's, the, it's owned by the IDA. It's a 15-acre site. It has been bought, it was, it was a, the original Fitzgerald Army camp in the town. Yeah. It closed in 1998. And the IDA took it over in 2002. Yeah. It has been closed with no development for the past 21 years. Now, that is beyond belief. A site, a fully serviced site, closed with the past 21 years and not one tenant gone in there. A full sign up outside the gate outside IDA Ireland. It's a road to nowhere, Neil. It's a tarmacadam road and it leads to nowhere. Is there a, pro- is there a property on it or is it just a site? There, it's just a bare site, but it's fully serviced. Yeah. It's costing it's costing 2.4 million with the last two decades to maintain that site. 25 million the idea are spending on four sites undeveloped in Ireland currently. And 25 yeah, million. yeah, yeah, but yeah, so, okay, and, and that is that is shocking. Maybe they just can't attract a business to want to take the site. But, I don't but, know. That's why I'm coming on this morning. I like we we want to like Sir Simon Coveney. He's the minister for enterprise, trade, and employment. Why is he not coming down to the, a town like ours and saying? Okay, there's a site there, 15 acres, fully serviced. Why is he not pushing to get... If they don't want to do anything with the site, Neil, sell it privately. We need a hotel in the town. That is another ideal site for a, for a hotel. It's five minutes off the main M8 motorway. Five minutes, ideal for a hotel. Mm. We should be attracting in. If they don't want to develop it, which they clearly don't, if it's sitting there 21 years, put it up for sale, let someone build a hotel there, and the likes of Simon Coveney should be... Ministers should be dragging people into to towns that need to flourish and, and, and you know and thrive. Okay, okay. Just is that a fourteen-acre site in the middle of the town? 
It's in the northern side of town as you come into from my okay, town off okay, the motorway. Yeah, it okay. is. It's in so, the town. so, so in conversation, just to be fair now to me, in conversation with with Kevin, you did reference that the town is fading away. You did reference nothing in the town for kids, no cinemas, no shopping centres. You also mentioned yeah. that somebody set fire to a property of yours. Yeah, um, yeah. A group well, of teens, you said, out of, out of yeah. boredom, is it? Well, yeah. There's a site next door to my own site. I'll talk about my own site. I own a property as well here in Fumai. Um, but next to my own property, there's 14 acres of land adjacent to the Fumai Town Park, which there was a man trying to develop, Neil, with the last two years, if not more. And he's been numerous occasions shot down by the Cork County Council and DOPW. He wants to develop. There was, there was a hotel to be built inside in that site, right in the side in the middle of the town. And years gone by, the major issue in this town was flooding. Now, thankfully, we had that solved. The OPW did a flood, flood relief scheme here back in 2009. 40 million euro later, 40 mind you. 40 million euro later, right? And they are still saying that that structure can fail. That That's why they're stopping development in this town, in, on that particular site. And on my own site, I have a site right next door to that site. And we are trying to develop our own site as well. But we have, there's nothing but red You've got, you, do, you, do, you, do you sell mobile homes, is it? I have my own business need, but that's separate to the site that I'm on. About. Oh, right, OK. We, but we, some, we, we owned but, a caravan park in town ourselves. My, par- my parents ran the caravan park. Um, it's a 2.2-acre site on the main Mallow Road, main Mallow Killarney Road. Um, look, tourism is, is, is non-existent in this town, Neil. Like, people say to us, um, could you not open the caravan park? The expense and the cost, Neil, to open that caravan park again. So no tourism in your area of the Blackwater, if you like, then? No, no, no. And and is there any investigation into these idiots that burnt down your building? Um, I haven't heard anything there now, but my my wife's sister's husband is in the local fire brigade. Um, we just believe it's it's antisocial behaviour. But I woke up last Sunday morning, two weeks, to smoke bellowing up in the air. Not for the first time. A house burnt down on the on the man's property again, and and they're stopping development in the, inside in that site. Okay. Just for the That's record, the Grand Hotel got one hundred and seventy two thousand four hundred and fifty five euro in total for housing Ukrainians in twenty twenty two. Um, maybe they wouldn't make a hundred and seventy-two and a half grand looking for tourists to book a room. But, yeah, that's, but that's the problem, Neil, isn't it? The, the government are throwing money at these people. Why? Why would you open? Why would you open a business if, if you're getting if you're getting that sort of money? Nothing. That's the problem. Towns and villages around. It's not just for my. Every town and village in this country is suffering the same because there's been money thrown at these business people. It's easy money. And that's attracting, and businesses are closing down left, right, and centre. And okay. that's what's wrong. It's not just for Moy; it's across the whole country. Okay, so it's taking, um, in, in the case of Moy, this kind of activity with lots of Ukrainian war refugees coming in and getting properties um, uh, refurbished for them, or guest houses or hotels being yeah. taken over. It's bad. It's not healthy for the local community to thrive. Of course, it's not. Okay. Okay. We need to look right. after. Our, look, it's been said in your show numerous okay. times that we need to look after our own people first. Need. There's people, there's Irish people need the help that the Ukrainians are getting and we're not getting it. You saw the same with the modular homes. Modular homes can be built just like that, out of the blue. Money can be found, Neil, when it's wanted. Okay, but you, do you stand over, do you, just, just, to, just to be clear on everything, do you, do you not or do you stand over Zoe's comment that she is either, is she right or wrong about what she said about Fumoy? Oh, she's totally wrong on that, that point, she's Neil. She's wrong on what she said about Totally Fumoy. wrong, okay. yeah. No, why well, yeah, I'm on this morning, Neil, I want... Like the minister, I listened to the minister, Patrick O'Donovan, and about the Middleton flooding there two weeks ago in prime time. 
and the, the, the excuses he gave to people. 2015, they're waiting for a flood relief scheme. Like... The, the, the whole, the whole, this whole country is just held to rent with with with, with red tape, Neil. You know. Okay, let um, me put that put those points, particularly the uh, aspirations or the frustrations, I should say, of local businesses yeah. to Councillor Noel McCarthy. Yeah. No, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, John Paul. Oh, I want to pick good up. Morning, on, do you want to pick up on, on on all of that? All this kind of red tape business and the OPW yeah. and businesses closing while hotels and guest houses are being converted for refugees. Yeah, and thanks very much for having me on this morning. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to start by, I'm always, every time I get the opportunity, I always talk positively about Fomoy, like I did with the Zoe comments with the Graham Norton. I think Fomoy has a lot to offer. Of course, we'd love to have things like John Paul referred to. And I agree with him on a lot of things. First of all, I start off with the OPW and the site there. Yes, we spent 40 million. It is a success, Neil, I want to say that. We, we're not flooded since we put them in. We'd only had one incident, which was a fall I won't dwell on that. It's 40 million yeah. euro later and it's working. The OPW it's working. have sites and they sit on their hands when new business should be put in there. But the point is, no hotels, no bed and breakfast, no tourists. Yes, and, and good point. And l- listen, we'd love to have them, as you said, and you referred to the Grand Hotel, which was a great hotel in the town and very well supported by the people in the town. But it closed for a period of time and it didn't, it didn't open. And then the refugees or the Ukrainians and put in there. That was a decision made by the owners of the hotel. Of course, we'd love to have a hotel or another hotel, but we have different reasons for it, Neil. And some of them are down to financial reasons. Like, we spoke to developers to our forum group in the town, to our councillors, with the councils, we approached them. We spoke to developers of hotels to build a hotel in the town. We spoke to hotel groups. But unfortunately, they came back and said, at this time, it wasn't financially feasible to build a hotel or, or a hotel and for hotel groups. Weren't because built. maybe they were wondering if they did, who would actually stay in them? Exactly. No, exactly. No, we have a great site, and John Paul is a hundred percent right about the idea site, which is twenty-three years vacant and a hundred. Sorry, the idea. I said the OPW, the yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the idea site, which is a super site up in up in the north side of town, and five three minutes from the motorway, okay. twenty-five minutes from Cork. Great site, but unfortunately, we have no one developer or hotel group interested at the moment. We're hoping that will change and that they will see Fomoy as a feasible and financial uh, uh, come to town of Fomoy and build and run a hotel. Is there nothing for the kids to do in the town? Is there no cinema? Is there no shopping centre? Can I come back in there, Neil? uh, Just for a second, if you don't mind. I just want to promote for my as well. Our, our, look, we have fantastic sporting facilities in this town. They're second to none. Um, I'm part of the soccer club myself. We've possibly the best facilities in Cork, in my opinion. Um, it's been redeveloped there with the last four or five months. Um, we have a fantastic town, as I said. I'm bored and rare there. I wouldn't live anywhere else. I've travelled. I've been in Australia for a year myself, Neil. Always came back to for my love, my town. Love the people in Fomoy. Wouldn't live anywhere else. But I just want a bit more for our town, a bit more investment like that side. Like, why doesn't Simon Coveney come All right, we've made that point a number of times, but do you have, do you have, I mean, I'm just quoting notes that you gave earlier on. You may have had a change of heart, and if you have, that's fine. Uh, But you said nothing to do for the kids, no cinema, no shopping centre. In fact, you had a group of teens burning down one of your properties. Is is there nothing to do, is is that true, No McCarthy, there's no cinema, no shopping centre, nothing for the kids to do? There is no cinema and yes, we'd love to have a cinema in town but again, that's down to financially 
a similar group wanting to bring right. Have you a shopping centre? We have, we have no, we have no shopping centre, but there is a, a, a planning application for a new shop to come into town with more Pinal at the moment. We have other great shops in town, and they're great businesses in town. But you and must have a Dunn's or a Tesco or an Aldi or a Lidl or a Super Value. That's what I want to make that point, Neil, if I can there, please. No, it's an answer. Do you have them, yes or no? No, but we have a Tesco application in with both Pinal. Simply Fermoy has no Dunn's, Tesco, Aldi, no. Lidl. No. So we, have we have an Andy in Lidl. We have an Andy in Lidl. Okay. Yeah. Can I make a point there again? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We have we have a prime site in the middle of from my town. It's the old Matt site, right? Back in two thousand and seven the shipment group bought this site to develop it for, for retail outlets and a cinema. There was brilliant plans for it. But again the OPW with the flooding stopped that. That was to be built. But that's, right sh- that's sorted now. It should be able to rock on. Shipment have probably moved that's on. That's what I'm it? saying. That's what I'm saying, Neil. The flooding is sorted. That's been sold privately now, that site. Why can't that owner be approached and say, look, we've got great plans for this. We'll buy it off you or will you develop it for retail units or a shop to get people into the town, right. to get a focal point in the town, like every town has a shopping centre. A Duns or a Pinnies would make this town. Draw people into the town. Other small businesses might be worried or they'll take from our business. you got look, one... Ver- okay, picture. okay. I think, I think, Noel, McCarthy, I think Noel McCarthy's um, line has dropped, John, but I'll leave you on this point. I was going to say to Noel McCarthy, he's got one very frustrated Formoy businessman in the shape of your good self. Thanks for taking the call. Do appreciate it. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. I was talking this morning again about the release of the new Beatles song. One wonders whether it will be a Beatles hit. It's called Now and Then. It was released yesterday afternoon. I mentioned if you're a Beatles fan, I'd be preaching to the converted if you watch the big, huge, long Beatles documentary that was on, the big one, Get Back, which was incredible to watch. It was the whole life and times of the Beatles and much of the video footage, of course, had never been seen before of their recording sessions and what have you. But anyway, that was yesterday's news. So we're now looking at a new song that was recorded. There is also a 12-minute documentary uh, that accompanies the release of the song um, now and then. And it's fabulous. Even if you just sit down and watch the 12 minutes on uh, on YouTube, it's available wherever you get your your videos. But it, it kind of goes into the detail of exactly where this came from and how it all came about. I'm not playing the whole 12 minutes, don't get me wrong there. But it's the first 90-odd seconds of it featuring Paul McCartney. Two, take one, silent turnover. Are you ready, Ringo? Come on, we're doing it. We're on. One, two, three, four. Which key is it in, really? Ringo. George is tuned up. I'm ready to sing it to the world. Making good music in a band is all about chemistry. The way our four very different personalities combined in the Beatles was something very special. When we lost John, we knew that it was really over. But in 1994, amazingly, an interesting opportunity arose. We could make more music together. If we were to do something, the three of us, as interesting as it may be, to have John in it is the obvious thing. I was talking to Yoko and she said, ah, I think I've got a tape of John. We were pretty excited. A new John song. Amazing. To hear John's voice, that's the thing that we should cherish. 
And I'm sure he would have really enjoyed that opportunity to be with us again. We could use John and try and make a record. It was the closest we'll ever come to having him back in the room. Text 086-8104-106. Let's ask the great Dave Fanning, broadcaster and music critic. Dave, good morning. <laughs> music critic? God, I hate that word. Well, music here you are fun. now as a music critic. If you don't like it, then lump it. Okay, so it's nostalgic. It's groundbreaking technology. It's important to their body of work. It's the last we'll ever hear. But is it any good? Yeah, I mean, like, first of all, I heard you praising the little film that went with it, and you're right, it's a brilliant 10 or 12 minute piece. It's really, like, just great to see, and it's great to see the whole lot of them together doing whatever it is they do. Um, to be honest, it is a very good song, there's no question about it. But, like, you know, this is not the 1960s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, even if you see, like, when the Beatles started off doing what they were doing, and then when they finished up and you saw the thing on the Michael, or the Peter Jackson documentary, just, you know, strumming around, you know, goofing around, you know, creating in the studio together all for them in the round and that that's what it's all about to me with the Beatles you know and this thing was a demo tape done into a boombox in his Dakota building in New York almost 10 years after the breakup of the Beatles just goofing away just think of what John had done since then he brought out uh, you know John Lennon Plastic Oma Band an amazing album then the next one Imagine which is really very good too the rest of the stuff he brought out really in the 70s wasn't wait a second what about Watching the Wheels that was a super oh album oh my god did you'll always no wait a minute one song <laughs> <laughs> the was ambitious stuff. Come on, it's not good enough. The rock and roll album was just to fulfil a contract. It was rubbish. And then he gave up for five years. Then he came back and gave us Double Fantasy, which, to be honest, isn't really very good. And when he when it was re-released with the Yoko song after everything, that just shows you how enthralled he was to a moron. What are you talking about? What, what he recorded "Woman," one of the greatest love songs I've ever heard in my entire oh, life. Oh, almighty! For have you heard the Beatles lately? I mean, like, yeah, it's fine, whatever, you know. <laughs> blah, blah, What's blah, how, you know? How do, what, what needed to happen here for those perhaps who don't know he recorded it with piano they, they okay, didn't want the piano he, was yeah, it? he's in the Dakota building he recorded the piano I don't even think the piano was good enough which is fine it was just a demo tape you can hear the pipes in the background of the heating and you can also hear the hiss on the tape so nothing could be done in 95 when George heard it and said well we're not doing that I will certainly do free as a bird and real love but not that piece of nonsense because there's nothing you can do with it and he was right then Peter Jackson comes along and does you know what we know about because then I'm telling you the future is nothing to do with technology and nothing to do with computers and mobile phones it's all AI and AI did an awful lot for the documentary of Seven Hours that you mentioned earlier on which was fantastic yeah. so he kept going with that and right now it's able to do everything you could possibly imagine isolate instruments and vocals and conversations and everything else so it was able to do that then they were able to add their bits to it as well and in doing so yeah they created a song which by the way isn't that much different than the way an awful lot of music that you think is great for instance like you hear a song and you say God's great and you think you can hear the band in the studio actually those vocals were done in LA the guitar was done five years later in, in, in you know in London you just don't know these things so there's nothing wrong with clearing up existing recordings and it's a process that has gone on for years and then on top of that then when they got their hands on that uh, and they isolated the vocal had the other three while Harrison was alive recorded their pieces for the song 
No, I think they just they, they, they got themselves at George Solo and then the other two did theirs lately. So the point about it is, is you isolate all the instruments, etc. And they've done that too with the Red and Blue album too. There's new mixes of that and there's new mixes of Revolver that were taken out too. You take out John's voice, you kind of, you know, from the old cassette and you know, there's a dialogue editor called Emile Delaray. And Emile Delaray is, you know, can train computers to recognise Beatle voices from kind of noises and instruments and that and it was really brilliantly done there's no question about it it really is and they had all their own bits like Jeff Lynn was there as production there's new vocals there's new drums there's new bass they even have backing vocals in there from previous Beatles songs like Here, There and Everywhere Eleanor Rigby and also Because from the Abbey Road album Strings are by Paul and John they put the kitchen sink in and you know something it's very nice it's lovely but like then you read articles like where people heard it first from BBC the other day and they were going I, I bawled crying when I heard it. Get a life. Get a job. Yeah. Next stop. You, you know, know like, I, mean, I, w- I wonder how I wonder how real diehard Beatles fans would feel about it. Would you? Would you be a diehard Beatles fan, Dave? I have to say, I can honestly say that there is nothing in the world that has ever affected me as much as the Beatles. They are my favourite band. I know them inside out. I was in their fan club from the age of 7 to 14 or whatever it is when they broke up. And I was devastated when they broke up. And yet they broke up and they were on top. Good move, now that I look back on it. And uh, they're the greatest thing ever. I was there for each album. I was the youngest of six. They were, it was all introduced to me on the, on like, you know, when I was a kid. The very first album I actually paid money for and put it down in my local shop in Stallone for like a 10 bob note and I, I think it cost £1.30 was Sergeant Peppers and I was able to tell the guy in the shop the, the Beatles new album's coming out in June yeah but this is January doesn't matter here's a tenner here's like, a deposit I, on it yeah. well you have skin in the game then as a diehard I, fan I, for all yeah. that time it's not it's yeah. not a wow song by any stretch of the no, imagination but, but it is terribly nice and if you want to think that the lyrics might have something to do with you know the Beatles you go raise your head I don't really think I think it was John talking to Yoko as usual with all that stuff that you think is brilliant <laughs> Love songs, you're never going to get over that. No, I would have preferred if it was a rocking number, to be absolutely honest with you, and then throw the kitchen sink at it. But isn't it amazing because you bring up AI? The future then could actually technically create, even after everyone is dead, their voices, instrumentation to it, and create music for people who are long dead as new material. The future is going. I mean, I tell you, look, look I'm not going to start giving you a history lesson, but you know there was an agricultural revolution, and then which made the crops and all that be easier. Then there was an industrial revolution, everybody came to the cities, and then the technological revolution, or the information age, as it's called. They're all gone now. They're all who we are. The new thing, and absolutely, it's bigger than anything, is AI. Scary and brilliant. So the brilliant side is they can do this with the Beatles. I'm delighted. It's fantastic. They did it with the seven hours of Peter Jackson. Amazing to get an insight into all that, too. I'm just guys good around making music and even though it wasn't one of their great albums um, the Let It Be album but those that get back thing was fantastic but like it's just you know like Free As A Bird came out and Real Love two songs that were nowhere and they redid those in the mid 90s and there was no brouhaha around all that there was no people queuing up all night to buy it in the shop and be the first to get the traffic see the guy in England they queued up and they were selling it in the shop in London and the first guy in the queue do you know his name is John Lennon because he changed his name by Depot 20 years ago no wonder he was first in the queue Will it be yeah. a hit, though? 
I don't know. Like, what's a hit these days? Yeah. How do you even yeah. determine? Like, yeah. downloading? Is it streaming? Is it buying? I've no idea. Yeah, it will be a hit. I mean, I'll give you an example. Like, people were waiting for the Stones to bring out an album because they haven't had an album new material in basically almost 20 years. And people were delighted that they did. The album is number one in America. And at number one, it's selling more than two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten combined. Because people want that. They just want to see something like that. Look, I'm behind this. I think it's great. It's fantastic. But nothing much to see here. Move on. All right. Know, like, uh, go back and listen to Revolver. Go back and listen to Rubber Soul. Go back and listen to the White Album because they're absolutely some of the greatest things that ever happened. And while, you, while I was there, they're even twice as good. It Super was stuff. the best thing ever. There's nothing better. Nothing. Ask, I'm asking people this morning because we're going to play out on a Beatles song. Let me ask you as well. What's your favourite Beatles song of all time? I would have. I'd have a few. I mean, like I love a song called... Um, I'll be back, which is the last song on side two of uh, of. of uh, okay, well, assume assume that I won't play that then. <laughs> okay, right. Well, there's no question about my favourite song. No question about it. Um, which is uh, Strawberry Fields Forever. In fact, funny thing is, Strawberry Fields Forever. Uh, so that Beatles show in Vegas there about three weeks ago and I'd seen it ten years ago ten years ago I thought it was great all that sucked us life and I thought it was really good it was crap it's really it's gone the whole magic of that is gone because they're not even putting the effort into it so if you're going to Vegas see you too don't go to the Beatles love thing the whole thing is no good anymore God I'm sorry I'm being very controversial here, <laughs> well one thing's for sure you never hold back that's what we love about you so we're putting Fanning down as Strawberry Fields Forever then appreciate it have a great one Strawberry Fields Forever is definitely the one come on Neil. take care Dave take care Dave Fenning what is your favourite Beatles song text 0868104106 and we'll play out in the most popular one just before midday today we've got live music as well in studio so we'll be doing a lot of tunes Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Your favourite Beatles song ever. Text 0868104106. Just staying with this topic, actually, because uh, we played the song and Dave Fanning says, nothing to see here, move on. Barry O'Sullivan's the Professor of Computer Science in University College Cork. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Just looking at, good, thanks. Hope you're well. Just looking at this now from the aspect of AI. Every time I hear the word AI, the word that pops into my mind is cheating. You know, the word cheating. Um, in, in, in regards to this Beatles song, like AI was used for sure, but Lennon did sing, McCartney did sing and play bass, Ringo Starr did play drums, and George Harrison did play slide guitar. So it's all legit. All AI did was it pulled out John Lennon's vocals and left the piano behind. So it's actually authentic, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, so there's a few things going on, I suppose. There's, you know, how do you. So AI can be used in a couple of different ways, obviously, right? So it can be used for that kind of tuning of things, right? So to make something sound, um, to take an, to take a recording and to turn it into something that would would, would be more like the finished artifact if those artists had the, had the time and opportunity to to finish off the song. And it can also be used to generate a song or to generate music in the in the style of you know the Beatles. In the style of yeah, in, in the, the style. So of. There's, there's sort of two different. Well, there's multiple, there's multiple different ways which can be used, but I suppose the, the, the two ways that, that we've seen so far is AI being used to generate the thing um, in the style of, but also AI being used then to take some, you know, some recordings that have been made and to, and to knit them together into something that is very much in the style of, but as you say, more authentic because indeed, you know, the, the, the individual lines aren't, aren't generated, they're, they're the authentic lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you look at AI, though, in the case of the song... Was it able to think for... It had to be taught code, didn't it, to be explained to it in some way, shape or form. We want the voice. We don't want his piano. Get rid of it. 
Yeah, exactly. So there's a few things again. There's lots of different ways you can you can skin the proverbial cat in this one. So, um, like obviously, I think people have seen this in movies. You know, you're you're watching some movie and you know there's a recording of someone's voice or something, and you know it's just been Halloween. Maybe someone watched some scary movies where where the, the voice of the of the poltergeist or something was was tuned in more finely or something. Um, so there are certainly these techniques in sort of sound and vision that allow you to uh, to tune away the things that you're not interested in and to focus on the things that you are. People might have seen on Instagram these um, these accounts where you have the, you have Adele singing live in concert, but but the band is not there. It's just her voice. Um, and so there are lots of ways using AI and some other ways not using AI to filter out the kind of sounds that you don't want and separate them. Okay. Um, and this this can be very useful, you know, for, for creating backing tracks, for example, if you're a singer or a musician and you want to create a backing just, track. Just broadening the just broadening the topic a little bit for a second. Elon Musk said during the week made the front of the papers that AI is more dangerous in the future than nuclear war. Yeah, well, uh, um, I was actually at that event. <laughs> Were you? You heard him say it. Um, and the, um, uh, you know, Musk does tend to grab headlines saying things that are a bit sort of, you know, can, can be a bit left field. Um, certainly technology can be very dangerous when it's used for the wrong purpose. So, for example, you know, it's certainly possible for AI to be used in, say, weapons and in war. And if it makes a mistake, that you can find yourself in a very, very scary political situation. And, you know, indeed, you know, if AI systems were allowed to make decisions in how to deploy weapons in war and how to engage uh, the enemy, you can you can imagine how, how bad things could get. Well, it would be an but awful lot worse if it was able to do that. AI is thinking for itself. And when it goes rogue, you can't stop it. Oh, but even, even if it doesn't go rogue, you, you can imagine that you know someone just sort of deploys one of these things, just working so quickly and in such a complicated environment that it must, it has to help you with the decision to the extent that it's almost making the decision for you. And um, those those systems can be very very dangerous. Um, now, fortunately, they're not. The, the example I'm giving you is a is a fictitious example. AI systems are not used like that today. But you but you could imagine in the future that they would be, and it's it's quite a sort of a. It's kind of a small next step from where we are today to see that kind of thing happening. I don't think the the idea that AI is going to sort of enslave us or kill us or something is a you know that some of these um, arguments that Musk and others make are really um, are really meaningful. So you're not you're not part of the cohort who want a pause, are you? No, no, I'm not. I'm not part of the. I'm not part of the. Definitely not. But the um, I think some of this is uh, some of these kind of statements are rather political to try and generates um, a line of funding into particular areas of research in AI. Would it, would it lead yeah. to an unemployment crisis, do you think? I, I, don't, I don't think uh, AI is going to um, uh, create a mass unemployment crisis. Like all technology certainly does change jobs. I'm sure, I'm sure the way you, you, know, you, you do your job in the studio there has been changed by technology. Over, and, well, and, and jobs have years. been lost in my industry due to technology. Have, and, and jobs will certainly have been lost. But I think, I think the bigger problem with AI is that it's, uh, uh, the, bigger, the thing we have to focus on most is, um, and people don't talk about this enough, is that um, AI is going to change, I think, the very fabric of, of work in terms of, um, you know, which companies make the money, which, you know, the impact of automation on the, on the individual at work. And um, I think there's going to be um, the risk that AI technology creates um, a greater divide between 
between the, the high earners and the low earners. And I think um, what we really have to be figuring out is as AI becomes, you know, benefits um, the economy more generally, how are we going to make sure that everybody's, t- everybody's boat is raised by that time? Well, that's the point I'm making. If it's going to be cheaper to have, this is another form of robotics, they will go for the robotic choice because they won't have to pay wages to real people. So then the question is, what, what do you do with the people who have been impacted? And I, th- I think, you know, for example, if someone is made redundant from, from certain type of technologies, maybe, maybe the compensation needs to be different because of the nature of that or the, or the scale of that. Um, if, if, if you look at manufacturing in the US in the 70s, a lot of automation was introduced. Um, and if you look at what happened over, over the following 50 years, the, the the wages of manufacturing workers really did not improve very very much, well, and so so that the whole sector of society became very disaffected, and in a sense, you know, these were the very people who then you know voted in uh, Donald Trump went with the went with the extreme right in the U.S. and I think th- that kind of political environment that we the, the political splits that we see in the U.S. today, I think to some extent have their origins in bad policy making around the introduction of new technologies back in the 70s. And so we're at that moment now. We're introducing these technologies now. How are we going to make sure that everybody, and I mean societally, benefits from this in a way that's, um, that's, you know, everybody feels included and nobody's left behind? And I think that's the big question. Not whether someone, not whether one individual person's job is going to be changed or lost, because I think, you know, good policy making can help them can, you know, retrain them and, you know, there's certainly going to be more jobs as a consequence of AI. So how are we going to make sure that people who are impacted today have a job tomorrow in a slightly different way, you know, mm-hmm. that their skills can be redeployed? But I think the longer term thing is, how are we going to make sure that, um, that AI as a technology is going to be a positive uh, force for society? And that's something that, you know, as Musk says, is going to destroy us all. Okay, well said. Appreciate you taking the call. Barry O'Sullivan, Professor of Computer Science in University College Cork on artificial intelligence. You can't wind the clock back and you certainly can't reverse out of it but I would suggest that many people should be treading carefully with the evolution of it. Now the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM Nothing like better at the odd time than a good takeout from Roosters, Piri Piri and Douglas and they have two branches the other one in Blackpool so this will feed 15 to 20 of you with starters main courses and build your own cheesecake for dessert and if you fancy some Roosters, Piri Piri then you can check them out online, roosterspiriperi.com or visit Douglas or Blackpool Retail Park. And with that in mind, another bunch of shout-outs for you, everybody at the Coach House Cafe in Blarney Castle. I'm back in the cafe today for the first time since September and will probably be my only Friday until the new year. So please, make it today. <laughs> another one for store fit shop fitters in Wilton, Hurleyhe Centre in Bishopstown, for Lynn and all the gang, the Animal Care Hospital in Douglas are listening, Route 14 Bar and Restaurant restaurant in Toker in Lisa and Sonia. I wonder if that's the bar and restaurant in Toker, Route 14, that apparently does a fantastic, and I'm told a fantastic Sunday um, dinner, you know, as in the big roast. I'm told it's a great one out there. I imagine it probably is Route 14 bar. It's supposed to be terrific. Northside Tires in the Old Mallow Road. G- the GC Auto Spares in Fromoy in Mitchellstown. Morning to Brendan. Durr and J- Durr and, Durr and Dave at Musgraves Garage on the Kinsale Road. CDYS in Middleton lost everything in the flood and they're exhausted youth workers and helping young people. Um, Cork Builders Providers would love feeding today. Coming into the winter months, it's harder for men than women. <laughs> 
<laughs> you guys are on fire this morning. <laughs> it's harder for guys than women. Cora Big Plant Nursery and Ovens would love a treat. Everybody at Union Hall Smoked Fish are listening. St. Bridges Ward in the Mercy Hospital. Morning to you all. MMD Construction, the pet shop on the Kinsale Road. Morning to Roger and all of the gang. Barry Sheehan's Painters working in Cove. Apparently Jason is the top man. If they win, they say they'll share it with the plumbers and the carpenters on the same job. Love your generosity and your optimism. Caulfield Transport in Little Island. Barry Joyce, Barry Joyce Coles keeping Cork warm. They need feeding. Cobots.ie in Middleton. Complete outdoors outsource solutions on the South Douglas Road. O'Connor Pool, the opticians in Blackpool could definitely feed 15 people. Um, or is it that they could eat for 15 people? <laughs> Maybe they'd share it next door with the Three Degrees Hair Salon. Uh, and then we got one or two more. Inniscarra Waterworks would love feeding spec savers in Wilton and lab technicians. Ego Hair, hair Salon in Cove. ILC Dover. Uh, Southern Pharmacies Pharmacy Department. And Capwell Road. Capwell Cycles. The barbershops. And the accountants next door. So it's pretty much all the small businesses on Capwell Road then. So we'll do one more bunch of shout outs between now and midday. So it's your last chance to text who you are and where you are to 086 Eight one zero four one zero six, and it'll feed up to fifteen to twenty of your courtesy of ourselves and roosters. Piri piri. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on zero eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. So far, there's no particular Beatles song jumping out ahead of any others. One person says, loving the new song. Wouldn't it bring you to a happy place or back to a happy place? Help by the Beatles. I sing it most days when the kids are driving me mad. Eight days a week is another one. Penny Lane, which is a particularly good one. Here, there and everywhere. Uh, it's a Paul McCartney composition, but it's brilliant. Another underrated classic is Your Mother Should Know. Listen to here in New York City. I think the new Beatles tune is beautiful. But in fairness, asking someone to choose their favourite Beatles song as you are is like asking them to pick their favourite child. That being said, I'm partial to Sergeant Peppers and Abbey Road. Well, <laughs> I mean... I think it would be a lot more straightforward to pick your your favourite Beatles song than your favourite child. Come on. Two people then suggesting Let It Be. So technically, Let It Be is ahead at this stage. I listen to you. I, I, I'd listen to you about music all day over Dave Fanning any day. You're bang on the money about John Lennon's Woman being a great love song. Fanning, <laughs> Fanning is talking out of his behind. One of my favourite Beatles songs is Norwegian Wood. You might give that a whirl. Well, we still have a good 20 or 25 minutes for you to text your favourite Beatles song and whichever one comes out ahead I'll do a bunch of shout outs for more of them we'll play that song uh, just before midday I'll put aside some time for it but just staying on the topic for a while to our phone lines John good morning how are you Joel? what do you make of the new song oh I've no interest no interest um, you don't have any interest in any of their music I'm told um, do you want to give your uh uh, estimation why they're good or will I go on my rent? No, to be, to be thank you, listen, thank you so much for asking me that question <laughs> I know you're being sarcastic because back in the day, firstly I was too young for the Beatles and secondly, you'd either be a Beatles fan or a Rolling Stones fan I'd be in the Rolling Stones camp Yeah, that's fair enough Okay, okay. so I know you were being sarcastic but I am interested in your thoughts I, w- I would definitely see them as the one direction of the 60s um, it's basically I don't see what's so good about them all their songs if you look at them musically they're, I played the guitar 
all their songs are the same three or four chords over and over again played simply it's the same waffling music it's so mundane I don't see what's so special about them maybe their lyrics kind of poetry wise I don't know but Oh, they were totally new for their time. That's why they got so big, and it was all this Beatlemania. And then, sir, they went out to India, took a lot of LSD, came back with long hair and covered with colory clothes, and it was just all women throwing knickers up at the up on stage, like. You know, it's the exact same as One Direction from today. So they got caught. People got caught up in Beatles euphoria that had nothing to do with the music. Yeah, that's it. If they came out today, it would be just another band like One Direction, you know what I mean? They're bad, they're mundane, and the most overrated band in history, in the history of human existence, you said, their text. Oh, 100%. I'd say I couldn't think of another or over more overrated band than them, like, really couldn't. But um, who, who would you rate as being a band that you would think should be celebrated? as being one of the best yeah or the best or you could put down Queen there straight away as probably you know um, that just goes to show like with their album sales the album sales then of ACDC would show what sort of level they're at Guns N' Roses they're also at that level you know Um, so yeah Okay, hold on there, hold on there. Joe, well, um, it's not not as if you haven't said enough already. Fair play to Joe. He he says, the most overrated band in history, bad and totally mundane. I'm saying that, paraphrasing them, people got caught up in Beatlemania that had nothing to do with the music. Your thoughts? Uh, Well, neither he has his opinion. Like, you know, that's his choice, but it was a different time, there's no doubt about it. I was only, only, what... um, eight years old and I remember hearing Love Me Do no that's a long time ago that's October 1962 and uh, I can I can actually remember it like a photographic memory I had an old not the old type radio I said it was on the floor and I remember I, I went down on my knees to listen to it I said this is this is a strange song now, see we're talking about 1962 like this is 2023 it was a complete revolution in music I don't, I don't know whether John is getting that or not but it, it, this had I mean, you, had, you, had Elvis and, yeah. uh, you had Elvis and Cliff Richard and all the rock and roll stuff that came from the 50s and then the Beatles came on the scene I mean it, it was a different uh, time as well to see you yeah, know if you have any ear for music, like you, you would have picked it up straight away. Either anyway, and I was only eight years old at that time, 1962. So the fact that maybe it was simple tunes, very melodic, with simple musical arrangements, that really didn't matter, did it? But even Oasis said that the Beatles progressed at a, at a, at a fantastic rate. From 1962, Love Me Do up to Sgt. Pepper in 67. That's that's some progression. Like, I mean, if simple, simple songs and then on to... Uh, Sergeant Pepper and 1966 with Revolver and Robert Soul even in 65 I mean the, the, I mean <laughs> when Lennon died they said he was the Tchaikovsky and the Beethoven and the Schubert of the 20th century yeah 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 I suppose yeah, no, no doubt Lennon great musician but just as you just said it there popped, it popped into my head there like you guys love me do it's the same old thing over and over again you just love love me do and then it's just like a kid's rhyme you know it's just nothing it's nothing amazing about it it's yeah but what I'm talking about then is, is the, but it's the progression from that up to up to the 66 67 68 the double white album and, and right up to let it be 
That's because they went to India and took Lord LSD. No, but I mean, it doesn't matter about anything like that. If you, if you look at the songs he's referring to, and I wouldn't regard myself as being a Beatles fan by any stretch of the imagination, but let it be, Strawberry Fields Forever, um, uh, yeah. A Day in the Life, what a, what another beautiful, beautiful song. Fantastic. Um, you know, even Hey Jude, come on, John, they're, they're all, hey Jude, yeah. they're all oh, big, no, big great songs. songs right? But they're just totally overrated as a band because it's just another sort of... They were, I suppose they were kind of in the start of the boy bands, really. With, oh, without a doubt. And uh, there were yeah. there were gigs that you'd attend and you, apparently I'm told, is that true, Joe? You couldn't hear yeah, the well, band. The, the only difference there, Neil, is if you the likes of Boyzone and all them, they were all manufactured. The Beatles worked hard in Hamburg in, in, in 1960 and 61, seven nights a week. Very uh, valid, very valid points. Like. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I don't think that John would either be a fan of One Direction, Boyzone, or Westlife, though, would you, John? No, 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 yeah. no. no. And, and I, I don't believe that a band that could be huge in the sixties and seventies should work today. It's it's of their time, isn't it? Yeah, oh, of course. Like, yeah. but you know, uh, I don't know about that either. There'd be some wooden, some wooden, but. That's just the total beautiful thing about music. It's all subjective. I mean, none, of, none of us are right and none of us are wrong either, I suppose. All right, okay. Yeah, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Can I give you not a rant about music there, but not exactly the two of Beatles? Um, have you ever been to a gig or a concert or been to gigs and concerts all over Europe? All types of genres of music, but... Um, I was at a gig uh, there last Sunday night and it was cancelled after 15 minutes. The security came onto stage and started pulling the band's instruments off stage. Was there an issue at that gig with um, a barrier or something? Barricade? No, no. I was up front of the stage, front and centre. There was nothing. Uh, now, the way it was made out to be was like if the opera house was meant to have been full of headbangers or something. It was, I got videos of it. It was an average crowd, average age, there's an average band, Scratch. a folk band. Yeah, they're, they're a folk band. Dave Fanning would have told you about them. They're one of the most up-and-coming bands coming out of Ireland at the moment. But why would a and folk the, band, I didn't know they were folk band, I got the impression from the reaction to the story that they were full-on metal or something like that, no? No, no, I said, Jesus, one of their, one of their songs had a three-string... Okay. No, 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 I'm only asking, why, why was it anticipated by some that the fans would get overly excited? But they do get overly excited. It's like, you Christ, they do it every, every band I got to see. Like, okay. they you... get overexcited at the Dubliners. So were you at the gig? I was front and centre up by the stage. I saw nothing wrong. I've been to all types of concerts around the world, the craziest ones going. And this was... This wasn't even dancing, it was just shuffling in the crowd. Okay, so um, let me ask you, were people trying to move towards the stage, which would maybe brought on a bit of a crush? No, no, it was just shuffling around, and they played two songs, then they played a slow song, the slow song kind of, um, a slow song where it was just a dude, guitar, and there was th- three-string quartet right. behind, okay. and then that kind of moved along to a fast song, where the whole band joined in. And did you all get, did everybody get their money back or did the band no, announce? No, what, there's was, loads of people complaining about it and you know what it reminded me straight away of uh, that Fine Gael politician that stopped uh, Roy Chubby Brown from being in the Opera House there a few years ago. Uh, oh, you know, I just yeah. thought straight away he must have been above in the sound box or something and he saw them playing and he said, turn them off. And who made the announcement, John? 
was no announcement. The security just got up on stage and pulled off their instruments. And for a while, I thought, Jesus, is this part of the act or what? But no, they were just apologising and waving their hands to band. And the band were after putting up on Twitter saying they're never again playing the Opera House and that they will play in Cork again shortly. But they won't, have they, they said that they won't play the Opera House as a consequence? Okay. okay. Uh, and they're, they're going to have half price tickets. Okay, all right. Well, here, here's here's the response to the Opera House. We wish to apologise to the patrons who were attending the scratch last last Sunday, 29th of October. We had to make the difficult decision to finish the show early uh, due to a barrier becoming compromised during the performance. The safety of patrons and artists is always our highest priority. We regret the decision was necessary. We had no choice. We, we would like to thank the band and acknowledge their understanding of the situation. Sounds to me as if... They didn't understand the situation. No, there's other nonsense. Like, I don't know, I haven't a clue why. The security, the security seemed to be very um, inexperienced and they seemed to be very young. Um, for, for a gig that had, how much does Zappos hold? 2,000? Uh, 1,000. Yeah. Seated, uh, seated. That many people you'd expect experienced security mm-hmm. guards up front, at least. That's wrong, but they seemed very young in their 20s. Maybe that was it. Maybe they got it. I don't know. I don't know. I did get a response from the scratch. They said, uh, firstly, we appreciate the love and support from all of you who attended the gig following the massively disappointing end to the night. We've been working on booking and announcing a new show in a different venue before the year is out. We know a lot of you have been calling for refunds for the show. We don't have control over ticket holder refunds for the Opera House. We're working with the promoter for a rescheduled show to make tickets as cheap as possible. This will be done by us foregoing ticket sale profits and only paying for the venue and the crew on the night. That's a nice gesture. Yeah, yeah, in fairness. In fairness. All right, guys, thank you. Text 0868104106 back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. And by text, uh, wonderful emails of kindness come across my desks. Please get a chance, Neil. Say a huge thank you to the blonde lady with glasses who works in Dunn Stores and Merchants Key. Today, my daughter realized she had no cash for the Cove Connect bus and approached the lady at the check out in Duns. Uh, my 16-year-old daughter asked the lady if she could get cash back if she purchased something and the woman said she could. My daughter then produced her phone and the woman explained she needed her bank card to get the cash back. My daughter didn't have the card with her but the kind lady asked uh, what she needed the money for and she told her it was the bus home to Cove. So the lady told her give us a, give us a second when she returned, she gave my daughter €2.20 of her own money, apologising because that was all the cash she had. Neil, this has totally restored my faith in people, her human kindness in the moment of my daughter's panic. I can't put into words how grateful I am to her. Please mention this. Hopefully the lady will hear it. I think she and her colleagues would be a great candidate for Free Food Friday. I will try to get into Dunn's to find the lady working in there and pay her back and I will 100% pay this kindness forward, says Orla. So well done, blonde lady with glasses working in Dunn Stores and Merchants Key. We'd love to know who you are. Meanwhile, incidentally, on doing the right thing, Esther was in touch. She found a wallet near Mayville Terrace in Turner's Cross. The name on the driving licence is uh, D.R. The first name starts with a D. 
The surname starts with an R. If it's you, get in touch with us, prove it with ID, and you can have your wallet back. Many people then talking about Formoy. Why can't the government buy empty properties to house some of the 12,000 homeless Irish rather than everything Formoy seemingly being developed for Ukrainian war refugees? I know good friend, good friend of mine working in the GPO here in Cork. Most of the money they get straight away is sent by Western Europe Union to relatives in Ukraine. They are given the money and it's theirs to do with what they want. The situation they find themselves in is horrible, but it's not really being spent locally. Don't give them my details because the PC crowd will be up in arms. Well, one could say that they're sending money back by Western Union to people in Ukraine because they have no money in Ukraine and maybe their homes have been bombed. Local businesses in Formoy are responsible for the decline of Formoy. They object to everything to protect their own interests. Ask the people about the old Mart site in town centre. It's empty for years. Uh, that man from Formoy said he was not targeting Ukrainians, uh, Ukrainians, but seven times he made a direct reference to Ukrainians. I suppose he says he's not a racist, says Desi. The Grand Hotel in Formoy was a beautiful place to go for a bite to eat. Very relaxing. I had a great Christmas party there a few years back. It's a disgrace what's happening, says Eilish in Tallow County, Waterford. There is nothing in Formoy, but let me tell you, there's nothing at all in Kinsale for our youth. There are no kids in town at night time. They socialise up in Cork City instead of Kinsale. Nothing but old blow-ins in town. Even the locals don't go out anymore. It has become a retirement village, the town of Kinsale, says Myra. Um, one other one then, a few years back, there was a plan to develop the old mart in Formoy into a shopping centre like a Dunn's, a Tesco and a bowling alley. But, as usual, local business people got together and protested against it, ultimately resulting in no development. One in particular uh, was very strongly against it. That's why there is nowhere like that in Formoy. Objections. There are great sports facilities and a swimming pool and some lovely shops and a library, but there does need to be better, bigger facilities for shopping and for kids. So that's a selection of them for you. Keep them coming. Text 0868-104-106. Before I finish this morning, I have two sets of tickets to give away, as in two by two, for Mario Rosenstock and friends tomorrow night at the Everyman. Now, tickets are €36, Euro, and they're available at everymancork.com, and all of the proceeds are going to St. Finbar's Hurling and Football Club. This is a big comedy night to raise important funds for the club. Uh, Rosenstock will be there, Tyke Hickey will be there, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan will be there for a night of comedy and crack in the Everyman. Um, and your opportunity to go, we have two sets of tickets to give away just before midday so hold on for that when I open the phone lines and away you go. So text 0868104106 for all of the business. Still have an awful lot of the signs from beyond the grave to do and it may well be Monday before I do that. Also on Monday I have a really good conversation for you for a guy who travelled to every single country in the world but never once got on an aeroplane. I know it sounds like a Chinese proverb or something, but he actually did it, a Danish guy, including Ireland. Every single country in the world, but never got on an aeroplane. It took him nine years in total. I mentioned that actually because I want to have a quick Friday morning chat with uh, Vinod. Vinod, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Uh, how do you, pr- forgive me, Vinod, how do you pronounce your surname so I get it right? Okay, the full name is Vinod Bajaj. 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 Yeah. Just I call you Vinod. You're, you're retired now, right? So you've got time on your hands. So you decided to walk the circumference of the earth, is it? 
And not just okay. In 2016, when I started uh, to walk, uh, the reason was okay. I just wanted to reduce some weight. Yeah. And the second main reason was okay. If I stayed at home, I'll be getting a list of things to do from wife. <laughs> so I said. <laughs> so, so I thought the best the best option would be to stay away from home. The best option was to stay out of her way. <laughs> yeah. So you decided to walk 40,075 kilometers. Is that the circumference all around the earth? Yeah, that's the circumference of the earth, the 40,075, as you said. But that was not the objective because when I started, I just wanted to lose some weight. So I started. Uh, when I started, I started with about 11, 12, 13 kilometers, then slowly, uh, gradually went to 20 kilometers, then 30 and 35. And then after 1,496 days, I found that, okay, I did 40,075 kilometers, which is the circumference from the earth. So that was did, good. Did you record your steps on a on a little pedometer on your wrist or something? No, I had I have an apps on my smartphone. So basically, when I start walking, it uh, it it records. And when I stop, for example, if I'm at a traffic light, want to cross over the road, and it stops. So when I cross the road, it starts again. Okay. Or if I meet somebody on the road and they want to have a quick chat with me, stop for two minutes, okay. and the app stops. So basically, it records when I walk. Okay. It doesn't record when I don't walk. Okay. <laughs> You have a fabulous way of answering my questions. So, did you total up how many steps it took you to walk the equivalent of walking around the earth? Uh, the first time, I did it twice, okay. So, the first time when twice. I did it on September... You did it twice. <laughs> I, I did it twice, yes. Yeah. So, the first time I did was on September 21st, 2020, and it took me 1,496 days, number one. <laughs> number two, it was 54.8 million steps. So, that was the first time. And as I said, the objective was the health and to remain active. So I kept walking, kept walking. And then after 1,114 days, which was about 380 days less than the first time, I clocked 80,204 kilometers, which equals to 103.5 million steps. <laughs> Did you get faster or slower the second time? The second time was 382 days faster. <laughs> How many did you did you record? Did you record how many calories you burnt and how much weight you lost? Uh, okay, in the first year I lost twenty kilograms of weight, so I can't lose any more weight because right now I'm just about ten stone, which is good. So basically, I can't lose any more weight. I keep walking, but main, best thing is I keep uh, maintaining my weight, and uh, my calories burn to date. I burn three point two million calories. Three point two million calories. So, so, so I, I burn roughly about 15, 1,600 calories a day. I take about 2,500 calories, which means only about 1,000 calories are going into my body, which means I'm not adding any weight at all. And by the way, I don't have to change my eating habits. So I kept eating what I ate. I'm a vegetarian uh, by choice. So I kept eating what I ate always. It's just the walking has uh, reduced my weight. It has maintained my weight. So, of course, you didn't actually walk around the circumference. You didn't do around the world in 80 days like Jules Verne did. You never left Limerick, I'm told, no? That, that, that's true. I never left Limerick, but the, 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 the feet were walking. So basically, no, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not dismissing your achievement. I'm saying you, you did it in your own locale. That, that, that's right. So I basically, I, I, I stayed in Limerick and I walked in Limerick. So I tried to walk within about 5 to 10 kilometer radius. Because when I completed my first walk, uh, that was the COVID time, and there was some restriction that you can't go beyond five kilometers, and I didn't want to break the law. So I tried to remain within the five kilometers at that time. 
But now I think I can go up to 10 kilometers. And the reason I try to remain within the 10 kilometer is, you know, so, sometimes when you have a nature's call or you want to take some break there, you, at least you are, you're closer because when I'm walking in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, everything is shut. And if I want to relieve myself for a nature's call, I'm stuck. So I try not to go too far. And do many people know you were doing this at the time? I mean, for instance, is the Guinness Book of Records interested in you? And basically, I, in fact, I found, like, I did a lot of research over the last couple of days, and I found that I broke one of the richer of the Guinness Book of Records, and I studied it and studied it, and now this weekend, I'm going to make an application to Guinness to say that I have broken one of the existing records. So here's my application. It's a very slow process. They take about 13 weeks to respond, which is okay. So once they respond, they'll tell me two things. Either they accept my application or they don't. If they accept my application, then they'll look for evidence. In relation to evidence, uh, what I've got is on my phone, I've got recording of 2,610 days of every single day of record <laughs> in my computer, which I'm going to produce it. They also want 15 independent witnesses, which I have it. No, my number one witness is a postman because I see him every morning. Your number one witness is your wife. Oh, why is in bed in the morning? <laughs> clearly you were, with all of this data that you've gathered, clearly you were an accountant in your working life, were you? Uh, no, I would say I was an accountant, but I know a lot about the finance. I wrote a book, Pension Without Tension, about two years ago. So, <laughs> I've so, been on stuff. Uh, You're going to give me a heart attack, stuff. <laughs> no, 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 really. I wrote a book and published, self-published in October 21st, Tension uh, Without Tension, and uh, any profit from the book went to the charity Pieta House. Wow, you're an incredible individual. Are you, are you finished your walking or have you another plan? Walking from no, the equi- no, Wait, no, no. Walk I'm, the equivalent from Limerick to the moon and back maybe? Uh, no, no, the moon, okay, the moon is already done, okay. The circumference of moon is about 11,000 kilometers, which I've done it. Circumference <laughs> of Mars is about 21,000 kilometers, which I've done it. Circumference of Earth is about 40,075 kilometers, I've done it. The next is the circumference of Neptune. The Neptune is 155,000 kilometers. <laughs> that's that's a long, long way. Oh my God, man! You're a tonic for the troops. I'll tell you that. You, and, yeah. and by the way, Neil, uh, we are on the November third right now. So between November first and November second, and as of eleven thirty, I've already done one hundred and eight kilometers, which is a distance more than Limerick and Cork. <laughs> if I would have known about this chat three days ago, I would have walked from Limerick to the studio. <laughs> And I'd be happy to see you, my friend, any time you're in the neighbourhood. Come calling. I'll put the kettle on. The next time you want me, let me know in advance. I'll walk to Cork. All right. <laughs> All right, not. I can't wait for that. Talk to you soon. <laughs> good luck, good luck, good luck. Wow, man, sometimes you just come across incredible people, and he's for sure one of them. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. I will open the phone lines now in about five or six minutes' time for the tickets for Mario Rosenstock and fans. Don't be call- fan friends. Don't be calling for them just yet. Another few here. Uh, best Beatles song across the universe, says Paddy. Another one says, my favourite Beatles song, Mother Mary. I think that's a reference probably to Let It Be, when I find myself in times of trouble Mother Mary comes to me so we'll put that down as let it be uh, one or two others here in my life is my favourite Beatles song I sing it to my two children at bedtime says Michaela my favourite Beatles song has to be And Your Bird Can Sing which is apart from the twin guitars and vocal harmonies the lyrics are just gorgeous Hey Jude 
Just a simple text. Hey Jude, I'm a huge Beatles fan. We have a four-year-old son called Lennon. I'm married to Claire. My name is Troopy. My favourite Beatles song is A Day in the Life. Hi Neil, it's Strawberry Fields Forever, Forever is the Beatles song. Uh, I love all Beatles music. When my son was younger, we always held hands whenever we were out and about and he loved singing I Want to Hold Your Hand. Beatles Long and Winding Road is in there as well, says Mike. Another one here for Let It Be. It's a complete and appropriate song. The lyrics are timeless. The Long and Winding Road, great song. Another few of them here. All the Lonely People. Um, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, I see. Let It Be is back in here again. There's a mention for Eleanor Rigby. You're starting off a debate on the Beatles. I thought the Friday show was more relaxed. Don't go there, Neil. Don't start a debate on the Beatles. It'll get nasty. (laughs) (laughs) what does he know the Beatles were brilliant every song including the new release get that guy I bet that guy can't string a note together referencing John the crows land on my roof regularly and they'd have some competition with him I'd say Uh, and I love her is another one says Mary Uh, actually I love this because there's two in here that I really think are some of the best Beatles songs both of them are George Harrison's one is something in the way she moves and the other is while my guitar gently weeps the Beatles song Imagine um, which technically, I have to say, would not be a Beatles song. No, no, my musicians in studio agree that would be down under the label of John Lennon. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Last bunch of shout-outs for Free Food Friday. Joe's Edge Hair Salon and Blarney, Operations Transport Staff of the National Seaways in the Port of Tivoli, uh, St. Francis Unit and St. Mary's Health Campus, uh, Audi on the Bandon Road, Building Stone in Cork, Cullen View Interiors in Riverstick, Mox Bar, Bark Park in Ballinahina looking after the doggies, Glandor Radiotherapy Centre in the CUH, a new me medical clinic in Penrose House, Aramex in Carrick Tool, everybody at Retrofit uh, we're doing up houses at the moment. Good morning to Linda. Innovative Total Solutions are listening. AP Vaughan Recycling or PC Haulage and the Pharmacy Department at the Mercy Hospital and just two more. Crowbar and Rexel and LIT and Crazy Monkey Skate and E-Scooter Repair Shop on Church Road. Probably would get a winner an award as the longest business title on Lee side. So that's it with regards to the shout-outs. We'll pick a winner in a few minutes' time. Uh, so text, no more text on that. My apologies. Let it go. We'll just pick a winner in a second or two. But one quick call. Joe, good morning. Morning, Neil. I have How no idea what to pick at this stage. I'm going to give it to Claire. Claire, work out which is the most popular Beatles song for me, William. We go for it from all of the texts. Have a quick look at them. Joe, for you, what would it be? Yeah. Well, for me, Neil, uh, uh, there's so many. You, you mentioned there, I could, I could name all of them, but the, the one I would pick would be, uh, i I, I got to play to my wife's funeral, her anniversary, next Sunday week, the 12th, you know. She died six years ago from cancer, and in my life, it's a beautiful song. Mm, was she a big fan, or were you a big fan, or both of you big fans? All both of us, we were, we were over in Liverpool twice at the... Um, the Beatles tour, you know, in the museum, and, and I, I wrote actually wrote a song, I wrote a, a poem, I should say, about after John Lennon died. It was actually nine years after he died. I'll never forget. It's called, and um, I was such a big fan, you know. And they put it up in the museum in Liverpool for me for a, a short time because really? they changed things every so often. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. And wow, that's a great Bolger, achievement. Do you remember Stevie Bolger and the old? I do um, remember him well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stevie, I, I, actually myself and a friend of mine, he wasn't very good at the piano, no, at the time, like, but we just sung it together and I, I just read out the poem and a little bit of piano behind it at the time, you know, but I have the poem, I, I still have it, like I wrote it in 89, the 15th of October. I love so, it, I love it. Okay, big fan. Listen, well, my, one of my Lennon's favourite would have been Working Class Hero, which I know you probably wouldn't play at any time, I suppose. Working Class Hero is something favorite. to be. Well, it's got a bit effing and blighting in it, hasn't it? 
Uh, you're all effing peasants. Uh, yeah. No, I, I tell you what, my sincerest apology, it's a lovely story behind in my life and I'd gladly play it at another time, but to be fair, apparently Let It Be is 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 way that's, ahead well, of any... That's the, song I, that's the song I picked for my own funeral. Well then, that's. That, do you mind if I go with that? Because it's the most requested one from this morning. All right. Before, just to, not to be delaying you, um, I, have, I have a magazine called Fabulous 208s my brother, older brother Willie gave it to me and it was on the 15th of February 1964 and it was dedicated all that week to the Beatles and I still have it. Wow, that's a, that's a keeper. That, don't give yeah. anyone a loan to that, it won't come back. And Harrison's favourite for me would have been uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Uh, me too, yeah. Check out the Prince version yeah. of that at the um, commemorative concert for the late George Harrison. It's an incredible guitar oh, yeah. solo by Prince. Yeah. Love you and leave you, Joe. Nice one, pal. Here's the one Thanks that was chosen much, by please. most people this morning. Thank you. In times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. That's it, boys and girls, the most chosen one this morning, the Beatles, let it be. Um... Uh, you know something, if I had more time, I wanted to get stuck into another topic because I received my own first copy of The Hollybow this morning and it's going to be on sale from today, which technically means to me that Christmas has arrived. Uh, I can't look at my, can I look at my watch today as well, the uh, 2nd of November. So when The Hollybow arrives, it kind of gives me an opportunity. Third, is it today? Why does my watch say the 2nd? Okay, and it gives me an opportunity to say that today really was the day that I should have played the first Christmas song. Um, so I will do it instead on Monday. Hollybow arrives, play a Christmas song. Dig out Slade, dig out Wizard, dig out Chris Rhea, dig out Mariah Carey, bring it on. <laughs> Actually, talking about bringing it on, let me open these lines. Lads, you're going to have to look after your own mics this morning, right? So oh, get sorry. yourself sounded up there. We've got August Walk back in studio, an extended edition of August Walk, part of the Middleton Together Music Festival. But while you're getting set up there, I want to do free Food Friday winners for today. If I can get a phone line number on it, I'll be rocking and rolling and we'll be able to do the business on that. Um, and I just don't, I want to do the giveaway as well then for um, everything that's happening with Mario Rosenstock at the Everyman. So, lads, welcome. Welcome. Sold out. All the proceeds Sold going out. to the Middleton businesses for the flood appeal. Paddy Casey's there, Frank and Walters, John Spillane, Mickey Joe Hart, Stephanie Rainey, George Murphy, the Hollies, and of course you guys and Sparkle and lots more besides. It's going to be a big event. It's yeah. a brilliant day. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic day planned, yeah. Okay, kick off time? Two o'clock. Two o'clock we're kicking off. I think uh, gates open at half one. And a great opportunity as well for families because Sunday afternoon is family yeah. time. And we have a kids' disco down there. We've Tommy Coppinger playing, and then we've uh, face painting, and we've everything for the kids as well. So, but as uh, we're sold out at the moment, but we want to push the GoFundMe page. Go for we it, can. and then we'll do a song and close up. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah the GoFundMe page is uh, it's set up by Middleton GA and it's called Supporting Families Affected by. Uh, uh, mid to Middleton floods and we just want to say a few thanks to a few people who are sponsoring the event Dan Noonan who offered to do the sound and put the rig in and look Disco after Dan. Yeah. Disco yeah. Dan yeah we're mad about Dan uh, Mara Smitty of Southern Farm Shoes Supplies who gave us a generator we have the Park Hotel in Middleton that's Kenmore the manager and uh, Ali O'Sullivan Cork Marquis who yeah. uh, gave us the marquee today thank you Ali 
We appreciate it. We, right, we were yeah. under pressure. Under yeah. pressure. Okay, good luck to everybody. Actually, that's a great idea for the GoFundMe because if you can't go to the gig, you can still contribute to the flood Please appeal. Do, yeah. Okay, yeah. obviously this is something you guys are going to be doing on Sunday. Let's hear it. Bring it on. For the last time now, won't you sit with me? Tell me a story. You have from old I can't bear To see you walk out that door Can I persuade you To have a one for the road Your fingers are Slipping away from mine And your eyes Are looking a different way Fare thee well you Say I am leaving Oh I wish I could change your mind, baby girl Tell me you're not leaving Sit with me and have a one for the road Cause I'm down on my knees and I'm pleading Don't leave me all alone The minute I laid my eyes on you I was stunned by the beauty you hold All the bars stood still Not a movement in here When you walked right through the door Well, I caught your eye With my confidence style And my shirt and my jacket were new I led you on to the dance floor and I told you I was the boy for you So tell me, you're not leaving Sit with me and have a one for the road Cause I am down on my knees and I'm pleading Don't leave me Leave me all alone. 
August Walk, ladies and gentlemen, Dots and Jamie and Roger and Owen and one for the road. What's the follow-up? A bird never flew on one wing, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's the best laugh I've gotten in a long time. We leave it at that, lads. Job done. Have a great day Sunday. Enjoy the gig, guys. Thanks for coming. Before I leave you for the day that's in it, Free Food Friday this week, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Let's see how they're all doing down at Caulfield Transport in Little Island. Evan. Hello. You've been texting for years, pal. What's the what's the story? You busy down there? I'm flat out, buddy. How many how many Arctics and trucks do you guys have gone on a daily basis? On a daily basis, I'd say between about seventy to hundred. Oh my god, my god, that's insane. So how are we gonna feed you? I can only feed fifteen or twenty of you. No, there's only a couple down here that need feeding anyway. They're all out in the road. All right. So it's the office and the warehouse staff. The drivers can just go and hitch off. Yeah, they can drive on. Okay, off they go. Get their food in the deli or the petrol station, whatever the case may be. So the best of food for you guys from Roosters this lunchtime. Give me a big weekend shout-out. So I want to shout out all the boys and... No, 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 no. Uh, Obviously you're new to this. I actually want a shout-out. Is there anybody there? Where's everyone doing that? Yeah, I've got all day, of course. Like, take your time. It's just a, this is just a fast-moving radio program. Have you any buddies around you there at all, you misfortunate lad? I do, yeah. They all left me here on my own. Oh, sorry, pal. Can't feed you then. Okay, Dickie. So we came back now already. I know, no, no, no half-assed effort now. You're a professional company. You're into logistics, getting things to A to B. Get me a crowd. Okay, I'll get you a crowd. What, what, what? what? Okay, we're ready. Well, while that's happening, while that's happening, I'm opening. Well, you get me a crowd. You better get it fast. I'm opening the phone lines now for two sets of tickets for Mario and Friends, Mario Rosenstock, and a load of other great comedians are playing the Everyman Palace Theatre this weekend with all of the fo- proceeds going to St. Finbar's Hurling and Football Club. Get dialing for them now. You can buy the tickets yourself for the Everyman. Gig is tomorrow night, 36 euros. So call us 9 and 10 on 0818 Are you ready, Evan? Yeah, ready. Go for it. Yeah! All right, we got there in the end. <laughs> Lucky I was never a dentist; I'd be hopeless at pulling teeth. Food on the way to Caulfield Transport in Little Island. Free food Friday, courtesy for sales and roosters. Piri Piri, Douglas, and Blackpool Retail Park. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.